we are live we're live live. all right multi-mega stream we'll start (laughs) with three but there'll be like 10 in here in a couple minutes how's everybody doing hans yashu what's going on how you guys doing today I'm doing well. I'll let Hans finish his bite of food here before he <laughs> before he talks. But I hope everyone's doing well. Happy uh, Happy Tesla earnings. It feels like like not that long ago that we were talking about the last one, um, and I mean it's super exciting times. But I'm not sure if you guys feel this as well. But it feels like there is very low expectations for today. Almost like people are expecting kind of blood on the streets a little bit. What do you think, Hans? Is that where your headset? Yeah. I I mean I've thought it's interesting how much the stock has run up over the past few weeks and so yeah i don't it'll be interesting to see if this is a buy the rumor sell the news i know that um obviously margins are a huge concern for people but really the the things that i'm interested in are just going back to the long-term things i want to see any updates that we get on 4680 ramp progress um hopefully we can get an announcement of when the delivery first delivery date for cybertruck is going to be um, and then looking at FSD, Optimus, and uh, Energy is going to be another huge one to see where the revenue is trending there. I know that you know there's a lot of contention in the community about hey, you know, deployments are spiking massively, and so we should start seeing flow through to the bottom line. And you know, a lot of other people think that just the the length of time that those contracts take and um, when the revenue will actually be recognized it's kind of delayed so yeah interested to see all of that um at the very least i i really hope that we get good numbers on what the deployments have been so we can track the the production and deployments yeah matt welcome in i see that you're now uh, uh grifting on rebellionaire.com on your uh on your name <laughs> what's that about can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so i think most people know my uh my twitter handle and it's a hot mess at Matt Chasm Matt or something just crazy like that. So I thought rebellionaire.com would just be a little easier. That's uh so for those who don't know, I work with Bradford Ferguson at Halter Ferguson Financial, just launched uh rebellionaire.com and it's really um targeted at uh, people who have high concentrations but want some financial advisory work or financial planning as well. So uh, we try to provide financial services to those people who have high conviction in names like Tesla but um are you know, uh, eschewing the traditional financial model. Like we've had a lot of clients actually say like, I, my broker wouldn't work with me anymore because I was holding too much Tesla. They told me like, you've got to sell. Otherwise, like I can't help you. So we're, we're trying to, you know, help out people like that who, who do have high conviction. Nice. Where's your head at? So Yasha was sort of mentioning um, that uh, there it seems like a low expectation earnings. Where do you think uh, Tesla's going to come in? Yeah, so I would agree with that. Um, my my numbers are 86 cents. Um, you know, I, I always try to be as middle of the road as possible. Um, I think margins are definitely going to take a hit sequentially. Uh, I don't think there's any way they can pull a rabbit out of their head on that one. Hopefully they can. But um, for me, the math is just hard to, to make it work given the magnitude of the price cuts. Um, so I think given that and given that the market seems to be relatively appropriately, you know, kind of pricing that risk and looking at the analyst estimates, they're not, you know, wildly optimistic or anything like that. And even the bulls, I think, are, are relatively tame in, in their expectations overall. So there seems to be wide agreement that this is going to be a trough quarter and that's okay. So so then the, the focus is going to naturally shift to, all right, what's what's next? So I think forward guidance and even just like the tone of management, like what are they, you know, they thinking, are we just going to be six months in the road, like down the road and then going to have to go through this whole price cut thing again? Or do they have, um, you know, some something better they can share on kind of demand stabilization and uh, anything on, you know, cost-cutting initiatives to stabilize margin. 
things like that. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm thinking. And I did hear the the kind of tail end of um, what, what Hans was saying there and agree and like energy is one to, to definitely keep an eye on. Joshua, where are you want to give more of your thoughts? Well, I think the first thing is we know for a fact that mainstream media is ready with the negative headlines for today's earnings. It's it's kind of a it's very easy, right? Like this is like an underhanded, uh, you know, grade five girl pitching me, you know, for for a home run swing. It's very easy. And uh, I guess I don't want to get canceled for that. But one thing that one thing that's interesting is that we know the negative headlines are going to come out. Uh, I think sub 17% gross margin, XF credit, something like that around there. Um, I think there's going to be little little things that we can look forward to with Tesla earnings uh, or pardon me, Tesla energy um, and perhaps as well an update on Cybertruck. But I kind of want to talk about Cybertruck a little bit because everyone seems to think that we're going to get a date today with Cybertruck and this is going to be the launch event. Do you guys think that's going to happen today or do you think that's going to be like, hey, we'll announce it when we announce it and this is not the event for us talking about the Cybertruck? Who wants to take that first? I, I think the latter. I, I agree with you, Yashu. I don't think we're going to get a date today. I think they'll kind of reiterate that there's an event that they hope to hold close to the end of Q3, date TBD, but that will be the, the Cybertruck event. I like It would shock me if they go into any sort of detail about Cybertruck right now. I think... I think they'll have a date. I think they'll have a date, but they won't have the price. I think they'll they'll do like, hey, on this day we're going to do the handoff event. They'll, you know, I, I read some. I got this idea from somebody on Twitter. I forget who who said this, but they'll have a they'll have a handoff event date. They'll start with employees, and on the handoff event, they'll give more details like pricing, trims, what to expect, just to say, hey, we've launched this thing on Q3, and then they'll start the, their slow ramp and. The reason why I say that is, uh, w if you look at Model Y and when the first um, when the first Model Y was produced out of the factory, it was in January of uh, uh, nineteen or twenty. I forget which one it was, uh, but it 19. was about two months nineteen, and it was two months later on March that the first delivery w deliveries were made. So it was only about two months after, and we've seen the prototypes driving around the roads really for a few weeks now. We have the Camel one driving around. We have the first one built out of Austin. So I think it just, it feels like delivery is close. Um, and it, it feels like this would be the right setting to communicate that, especially if things like uh, margins for the cars are a little bit softer uh, than expected. It would be a good way to sort of shift the tone. And then the other thing too, and I wanna highlight this, this might seem stupid, but I really think there's a little bit of cre uh, 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 credit to this. Let me see if I can figure out how to do this on Knowing you, it's prob it probably is very stupid. Knowing, knowing it is. You're hundred percent right. <laughs> Son of by a the way, I'm Matt. really happy that I'm really happy that you were that you were, you were able to squeeze in Matt's face into the thumbnail somehow. It looks good, right? Yeah, yeah, he looks pretty good. Yeah. yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, here's Elon's <laughs> tweet. I can fart hard enough to inflate a car tire, and he tweeted this about three hours ago. I mean, do you think somebody who's not in a good mood would, would say this? I feel like there might be a little bit of uh, something there, but yeah, just on a, on a, on a lighter note. Um, but I do think that there might be a date. Hans, what do you think? I saw you came off you before I started rambling. Yeah, I just thinking back to the Model S delivery event um, when they refreshed it and released the Plaid. Um, I think they have to announce that a little bit in advance uh, if they so it depends on if they do employee only delivery or if they do a delivery event that actually includes people from the public 
Because if they do one that includes people from the public, we have to get some advance notice so that people can make travel arrangements. Um, I think probably it's more likely that it's going to be an employee only handoff event. And so it'll be more like the Model Y than the Model S Plaid, um, which means that we may not actually get that that advance warning, but we'll see. I mean, those are really the two options that we have. What about the, the Gen 3 platform? Because uh, when we had the uh, you know investor day earlier this year, Franz started really kind of dropping some hints around that. Um, Franz von Holzhausen, the, the chief designer, for those who, who don't know. Um, and, you know, he indicated at that point, you know, that this was not the right venue to talk about about that car and do the unveiling. But um, it seems like we might be getting pretty close to that event, too. I mean, does it make sense to even couple those somehow and, and, and do them later on this year, potentially? Yeah, so I mean, that... need, just thinking through the events, like if we need an AI day three, probably, which I think we probably do at this point, and we need a Cybertruck event and we're going to reveal the Gen 3 platform at some point, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, you probably want to combine some of that. Yeah, and it makes sense. And I think Tesla is very, like Elon says this a lot where it's like, this is not the venue for it. We need to respect this announcement and not give out details and make it its own thing. And Tesla earnings are very, I think, nonchalant and very boring for Elon at this point. So maybe he gives us some teasers, but I, I, I wouldn't expect him to jump the gun on it per se. Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think the Cybertruck probably deserves its own event outside of anything else, just because how monumental I think the Cybertruck unveiling is going to be in, in the first couple of deliveries that go through. But at the same time, as you guys know, I'm probably the latest on timeline on this panel. Maybe I, I think the Cybertruck is probably going to be until January of 2024, at least until we start seeing some deliveries uh, coming out. But I'd love to be proven wrong on that. Did you see right uh, Richard Shiro's post about apparently Elon just talked about driving a plaid Cybertruck. So I think that's the first uh, confirmation that we've heard if that's true about there actually being a plaid trim of the Cybertruck, which I mean, isn't super surprising, but um, it's cool to actually see that. Uh, I'm looking through Twitter right now. I saw that as well, but I can't find it. Um, send us a link if you have it. Uh, whoever found that maybe we're getting trolled. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, which is very possible. Real quick, for those that are watching, uh, this is a, uh, a mega cap, the multicast. So it's uh, streaming on this channel, my channel. It's this channel, as if everyone's channel is going to be this channel. So it's my channel, Hans's channel, Yashu's, uh, Investing Against the Grain, and Herbert, I believe, are, are, the, are the five streams. So thank you all very much for joining. Uh, if you want to support your uh, favorite creator, you can go to any one of ours. You still get this uh this uh, stream and then herbert and nico should be joining us uh, very shortly we did go uh, live a little bit earlier because we had a few guys available for us to go earlier and then we also have more folks joining us later alexander will also be joining us uh, and a couple other people so uh do you guys think so around the margin question so do you guys think that the margin uh for q2 for the vehicle margin is going to be this this big number that everybody's focusing in, which is going to heavily dictate how the uh, price uh, behaves after hours, or do you guys think that that's already baked in and we're sort of past it? How do you guys think about that equation? If anybody wants to take that, yeah, I, I think it's just um, if it surprises, you know, there'll be a move. I mean, the market seems to be pricing in something in like the 17, 18 percent range based on where you know analysts are coming in, excluding credits. Um, and so, you know, if there's a big beat on that, then then I think that could move the stock a bit. Um, or if it's a if it's a big, you know, miss, 
it's similarly, I think it could it could move it. But I, I think for the most part, like the market's kind of pricing this in and is expecting what's it, what it's expecting. And unless there's a big surprise either way, I think the focus is going to be more on forward guidance and hey, what can you tell me to like get me excited about AI? Because that is like the top hot topic du jour. So is there anything you can do to kind of tickle my fancy as a as a Wall Street analyst to say, oh, I can start baking in some revenues beyond just what I've been able to 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 do with FSD so far. So I think if there's anything they can share on that front, uh, that might go uh, an extra distance. Yeah, so quick fact. So since last earnings, Tesla's up roughly, can you guys guess before I get, before I give it to you, what percentage is Tesla up since our last earnings call, roughly speaking? What's your guys' guess? Don't worry about being wrong. You probably will be. 80%. I was Hans? gonna say, I was gonna say. Oh, oh sorry, yeah, Matt, Hans. Go for it, Matt. I, I was going to say 100%, just, you know, ballpark. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking it's like 75. I think we were at like 175 around last earnings, so up $125. Okay, so some people in the comments as well getting it right. So actually, it's, it saddens me to say, but Farzad was, 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 was actually the closest on this. 82% is what Tesla is up roughly since last earnings, which is nuts, right? Like, Where's my juju? Yeah, well, go buy it yourself with... Uh, with all that, uh, with all that ad revenue that you're getting, because you're killing it right now. <laughs> now, listen. I think at the end of the day, Tesla's up 82% since last earnings, folks. Like, we have to keep that into context with when we talk about margins. You know, I think, and this is not like people are saying, okay, well, this is an all-time high rally ripper, and I really hope, I hope so. But you know, when the when stocks move this much this fast, there is some settling down that happens before continual momentum upwards, and so. To me, the risk is more on the downside. And I think the base case is flat, even if margins come in decently well, considering expectations. Like if, if, if Tesla beats the whisper number, maybe, you know, Tesla goes up a couple of percent. But I, I, I don't see a big and Tesla notoriously doesn't move up very much on earnings usually. Uh, so I, I just think the risk is to the downside, but not massively. So even speaking like $270 is our 21 day moving average. So. You know, I think at the end of the day, um, when we talk about that, I think we talk about earnings and margins and, and whisper numbers and expectations. I think it's just good to have that into context. The Tesla is up around 80% since last earnings. So it sounds like then a breakthrough in full self-driving or the AI portion of the story is really going to be the the next leg up for the stock. So you, you, I guess, in other words, you don't see this getting back to all time highs without FSD. Is that a fair way of encapsulating that? No, I, I'm i not saying that. I'm just saying that I think it'll take time. Like I think macro has to turn, um, not that it hasn't, but I think it has to continue to turn. AI though, yes, I mean, for sure. But here's the thing with Tesla and AI I've no that I've noticed. When Google says something about AI, Apple says something about AI like today, the stock market just gets super giddy on that. But when Tesla and, and Elon talk about AI, it's like the market doesn't care about it. When Elon talks about AI and Dojo and 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 you know teraflops and all this sort of stuff, it's like the market is almost like, yeah, we'll kind of believe it when we see it. But today, like I'm not sure if you guys saw the news, like Apple talked about, hey, they're gonna try to build this competitor and do research into open AI and and you know build a competitor, and like the stock jumps up massively. So I think there's a little bit of a discrepancy still there yet with Tesla and Elon. And and I think part of that's probably around the way that it's messaged. I mean, I saw someone in the comments said like, you know, NVIDIA, what about in like NVIDIA and Microsoft? 
Well, what did NVIDIA actually guide for? Like a, a massive, like 55% quarter over quarter increase in revenue with a huge chunk that was, was going to flow through the bottom line. So they were messaging it in, you know, like forward guidance that was very clear and very near term. Microsoft similarly yesterday came out with a, you know, 55% increase, I think in their, in their pricing for their uh, Microsoft Office suite that had, uh, you know, AI enabled like generative AI capabilities. Um, so like, that's like, again, an analyst can say, oh, I can just type that in my Excel formula and oh, like the price should go up. I think when Elon talks about, you know, like the, the best approach to have like a universal, like not just a local maximum, but like a <laughs> overall like universal solution to FSD, like he gets so in the weeds that I think um, he talks about like the super long term and he talks about like the technology and how they get there. But I think what he doesn't do is like bridge the gap of like how that's good news in the next 24 months, which as a long-term Tesla investor, doesn't necessarily bother me, but that's, I, I think it, there's at least some justification for the fact that, you know, like people give them the, the benefit of the doubt or the opposite of the benefit of the doubt. Sorry. Not, <laughs> not give them any credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do wonder, I do really wonder if, what kind of tone Tesla's gonna have on this call is sort of something that I'm thinking through, uh, especially with the latest uh, announcements around NACS, uh, the, the sort of a lot of these automakers uh, taking this on. I was on a space with Wolf and Evan and those guys on Twitter. And this is the first earnings call I believe we'll have since all those NACS announcements came out. And I wonder if that's gonna really uh, set a certain tone on the call for investors that's gonna say, hey, Remember that thing we've been working on for the last 10 years of really becoming this uh, almost ecosystem for for uh, for electric vehicles and all these things we're working towards and the charging network. Uh, look at all these legacy automakers that have jumped on our wagon that I had to hitch their wagon to our host rather. Uh, you know, what do you guys think about that? And, and I wonder if that's going to be part of the rhetoric. It's huge. I mean, it is. And But the, here's the thing that I, I saw a certain bear going around mainstream media talking about, well, this sucks for Tesla. And, you know, how dare you say this is bullish because now everyone's going to be hopping on Tesla's supercharging network. And if anything, it makes those cars more appealing, blah, blah, blah. And he's basically saying, hey, show me show me your calculations and your earnings model where this helps Tesla. And I hope actually Tesla can provide a little bit more clarity on monetization of this because to a degree, I take the point that we don't know the specifics of the deals and the upcharge that that these um, uh, legacy automakers are going to have to pay. To me, they haven't absorbed the cost on any of this. So to me, and I got some flack for this, I said, if you own a Mach-E, you should pay way more than what I, than you know myself charging at a supercharger network with a Model 3 because I own a Tesla. And I got a lot of hate comments on that. But I just think it's it's only the free market. Like at the end of the day, if if all these superchargers got get filled up with insert legacy automaker EV here, then it it, it disincentivizes people to buy Tesla. So I think there's some sort of structure that needs to be more a little bit more transparent, and perhaps they're working through that right now because it is a next year thing, anyways. But I think that might be a low key. Hey, we have the model now. It's going to be a you know fifteen cent, twenty cent upcharge on kilowatt hour or you know time based here in Canada for some reason and they can start modeling that out versus legacy auto sales and EV sales and percentage of the time that they're going to be charging there and I hopefully we can get a little bit more granular with earnings on that aspect of it that's a great call any other thoughts what's the biggest thing you guys are looking for uh, on this call 
specifically? Like what, what is that uh, big thing that if they mention it, you'll be very happy for the rest of the year for say for the coming, for the coming quarters. What are you guys thinking about? Let me add Nico here as well. There we go. Who wants to take it? Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't think this, this will be something that they do, but like I've been waiting for many years for them to start disclosing more information around FSD take rate. Um, and I, I think one of the things that is uh, misunderstood as a catalyst or just like nobody's paying attention to it is they're like, there are some draft regulations in Europe that could enable FSD beta to roll out, roll out as soon as January. Um, and so if you, if you think of what that could do just as like an ADAS system and, and like the margin potential of that going forward, um, even if it still is like in beta mode where it's, you know, not amazing, it's still like incrementally more people will buy it. And then you've got the entire history of people who are of Europeans who have, who have bought um, a Tesla that you can then try to, to backsell this to. So, you know, I, I don't think they'll start disclosing. Like, I actually don't think FSD take rates have increased to date. So I wouldn't expect that they'll say that. But I think if they started to give some more um, guidance around metrics that they will be disclosing in the future, because they expect take rates to, you know, increase as functionality is released in more geographies, that's the kind of message that I think would get the Get, like get people thinking about this a little bit more critically and saying, okay, yeah, there could be like significant margin potential down the road. It just as just from opening new geographies, even if the the functionality isn't any better than in North America. But like if everywhere was as good as North America, then that's also good news for the company's financials. So I, I'd love to see some commentary around that. Nico, let me go ahead and bring you in. Uh, investing against the grain. Look at how handsome this fella is. What's going on, buddy? Uh, hey. What's the biggest thing you're looking uh, for from the call? Before that, can I just do a quick mic check? Do I sound okay? We can hear you. All right, cool. Um, yeah, honestly, I'm kind of just all about FSD beta these days. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I know everyone's thinking about margin and stuff, but that's short-term stuff I don't really care about. So anything around AI day, FSD 12, you know, not beta, anything around that, any news, I, I think that would be interesting. I'm just hoping Elon goes off the cuff and just starts saying the random stuff like he normally does on those topics where I think in the past when he'd go off about Optimus, people would be like, oh, God. I mean, do you remember that? I think it was Q4 last year. He just saying Optimus, the most important item or product that we have right now, and the Wall Street hated it. I think that would play a little differently today. So that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Hans, Yashu? Yeah, I think uh, one of the questions that's on say that I'm interested to see if they answer it or not uh, is just their revenue expectations for RoboTaxi. It's something that gets talked about. I think that I can anticipate Elon's stock answer about, it. you know, multiply the value of the car by about five and um, kind of go from there. So we'll, we'll see what they say, but that's one area. Um, very interested to see if we get any commentary on Dojo since supposedly it is actually being used on production workloads right now. I'd like some clarification on what does production workload actually mean. Um, and yeah, I think that both of those areas would be really interesting. And then anything on bot, it seems like every event right now we're getting some sort of like a teaser video on bot updates. And so uh, really excited about that as well. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna say what we're all thinking, but don't want to say. Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk fight at the Coliseum. Uh, that that's probably the biggest piece of news that can come out from Tesla earnings today, to be honest. But 
barring that aside, and um, I think we all know who'd win there. <clears throat> um, I think, first of all, getting any data, and we're not we're not going to get this, but here's here's me throwing this out just as just for fun. Getting FSD interventions per mile, or 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 uh, how many interventions per hundred miles, or or whatever metric that we want to use to measure progress of FSD beta would be nice. We're not going to get it, but in lieu of that, if FSD really is so close to the end of the year and we got like, like let's say half the year left, what would be really interesting to get out of this earnings call would be Tesla's launch platform or launch strategy for FSD, and perhaps it's you know in Las Vegas, there uh, you know Elon talks about you know. In Las Vegas with the Hyperloop, you know, we're, we're going to launch driverless here and th we're going to pilot with this many cars. And, you know, that's our model. We're going to we're going to essentially have a white paper on this so we can expand and franchise this out across fleets. Like some sort of strategy talk on the release of FSD would, to me, be a huge signal that FSD is indeed coming up by the end of the year, because. By the time next earnings call comes around, if we want to have, to, if we want to talk about FSD by the end of the year, it's almost like too late to talk about strategy at that point. It's about execution. So I think this earnings call kind of points puts it at the middle of the year. Talk about strategy a little bit. Let's get nitty gritty with when FSD does happen. What is the best way for us to 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 launch this out? And I see a lot of funny comments coming in. Uh, but I'll throw it back. The troll comments on this stream are a plus today. Fantastic job, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I uh, go ahead, Matt. Go for I was it. just going to say, like, in that vein, I'd like to hear a little bit more, you know, Elon nerding out about what this breakthrough is that he was talking about on that on that Twitter spaces with the XAI team. Um, you know, that's something he was really cagey about. I mean, and, and from just the way that he was talking, normally he's like incredibly forthcoming with details on stuff like that. So part of me wonders if it was just because it was an XAI space, he didn't want to take the focus away from them. Part of me also wonders, is this like such a big breakthrough? Like, I mean, thinking back to the Transformer days where, you know, that was released publicly and it was such a huge technical advantage that maybe they shouldn't have even done that um, to release that kind of technology. So it seems like they might have some, you know, Transformer level AI breakthrough that could, you know, really change the game. And so if, if he could share any news or any details about what that is, or even if he can't do that, about why it's important and why it's going to change like the, the way that they have been doing things to the way that things will be done in the, in the future, I think would be would be pretty helpful. Yeah, and just I agree with you, Ashley, like in the past, I would have cared a lot about those interventions, interventions per mile. But I think with this idea of how we're seeing FSD 12 and this world model that we're speculating about, I don't think any of the interventions per mile data we have now would be pertinent. I think it'd be irrelevant because now we need that number on this new model. So that's what I want to hear about. So I'm with both of you on that. I do wonder too, like I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know if you guys feel this way and maybe I, I'm late to this party, but things like Dojo, things like FSD, things that are long-term plays for the stock and its valuation Maybe in the past, I, I'm going to speak for myself. I gave uh, a lot of value to the guidance that we were getting from the company. And as of late, I'm much more biasing towards actually seeing it in action and, be, and coming to fruition before I fully give them the benefit of the doubt and actually see it come um, come alive. Has that Does that resonate with anybody? Has that shifted for y'all? Is it just a, a journey that I've gone through that maybe I'm finally where I need to be, or maybe I'm not thinking about it correctly. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. If anybody has any thoughts. 
Yeah, I'll just jump in real quick because I, I feel kind of the same way, but I think it's happening because we're getting to a moment where all these things are starting to come to fruition. So it's only natural for you to want to feel that way, right? We're getting close to FSD. Dojo's finally coming online. Cybertruck's finally coming. And so, of course, now your sentiment's like, well, I'll give them credit for it when it comes out officially because now we're, we're at the one-yard line. Don't fumble, right? I think that's where we're at. Yeah, and I just add on, like, I, I definitely resonate with that. I mean, thinking back to, you know, three years ago, two years ago, when I first got FSD beta, uh, I guess it was October of 2021, I think. Um, and it was like, I was expecting the rate of improvement to be so much, you know, quicker than it ended up being. Because, you know, the what Elon was always talking about, and I think it's definitely true, is that people, people have a hard time thinking exponentially. And so the, the progress, you know, people were expecting it to be linear. And so it would take, you know, many, many years. Um, and, it, you know, it looking backwards, the progress on FSD that like from a user's perspective does seem very linear. Like, you know, it was really bad when I first got it. And then it was like a little bit less bad. And then it was like, OK. And now it's like pretty good. And, and those uh, intervals came in, in like somewhat quick success or uh, consistent uh, succession there. Um, but that doesn't mean that like Elon's comment was wrong. Like it still is going to be exponential progress. It's just that they've kind of barked up the wrong tree a couple of times on, on some of their approaches. So if they really do have the right approach now, um, you know, and they've got more compute lined up to do training and everything, then we could see a, a much more compressed timeline, but I'm hundred percent in your camp, Farzad, that like, I'm not going to just give them credit for that and say, it's going to be like autonomy or there's gonna be a robo taxi ride by the end of December, like now, let me experience a couple of those, uh, you know, releases first before I, I, you know, give any credit. I mean, we still don't have actually Smart Summon, and he's been talking about that for years. So, Hans or Yash? One of the things that I kind of realized uh, after listening to the CVPR talks this last couple of weeks was that I think that Elon's optimism around actually solving FSD kind of ties back into if you think back to DeepMind and when they originally uh, made AlphaGo. And so their first system, the, the one that actually beat Lee Sedol, that was a system that was actually kind of that patchwork of blocks um, with heuristic code bolted onto the side of it. It's like that first proof of concept system that they have to make before they can actually create, you know, using that, um, they can create an end-to-end -end system. And that actually worked and it was better than than human. And I wonder if Elon expected that the same would actually end up being true for FSD, that the approach that they have been taking now, he thought was going to get to that point. But just because of the numbers of degrees of freedom in the real world, they are having to get really close to having that full end-to-end -end system in order to be able to get it to work. Um, and so, you know, that's a little bit different scenario than we saw in the roadmap for for DeepMind and, you know, AlphaGo, AlphaZero. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons that we've seen it play out the way that it has. And, you know, hopefully the rollout of 12 does give us that full end-to-end -end architecture. We'll we'll see how that goes. But that I would love to hear more commentary on that because um, you know, I think even I know that they're very optimistic about getting that into customers' hands by the end of this year. But I don't know, like rearchitecting to that level at this point in time, I think could have some surprising challenges once again and we could be pushing out into next year. 
Yash, go for it. And in the comments, let us know also what you, what you're thinking about uh, for this call. We'll bring up some uh, some viewer uh, comments and maybe take one or two questions. And then we're about ten minutes away from market close, and then a few minutes later should be Tesla's earnings. Yash, go for it. Yeah, um, I will agree with the timeline, but I I would say I'm I have the opposite problem. I almost sandbag too much in my head mentally past what's what's even like remotely probably true, uh, like. Example one, Cybertruck, I think next year probably is the first delivery, even though everyone, I think, agrees that it's probably this fall. Um, but the, but that's why I look at what Tesla almost hints at rather than what is said from Elon. Because remember, Elon is not only just optimizing by telling us the truth. He's also trying to optimize for employee morale, right? Like a big part of his job is to rally the troops to make sure that there's optimism in the group that this big project so monumental can actually get completed so i think there's a degree of like throwing out optimism as well to make sure that everyone that's working on it feels excited about what they're working on um but back to my point about what tesla hints at more than um or what tesla shows in terms of their hand and again i think the rollout strategy for fsd i don't think we're going to wake up one day fsd uh, fsd 12 comes out as a software update in our cars and then it's a free-for-all for fleets everywhere. I think there's some sort of platform. There's some app update. There's some subscription model that goes out. Like who's cleaning the cars? Who's charging? Like there's there's going to have to be some infrastructure built here, albeit just software mostly. Um, but even some 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 in-person uh, physical uh, infrastructure that has to, 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 to be cleared up. It's not rocket science. But at the end of the day, it has to be done. And I think we'll get that sort of a signal ahead of their launch in a city. So... At the end of the day, though, I mean, part of what makes Tesla so exciting is that we can be optimistic about, about this sort of stuff. And and that robo-taxis are a thing when no one thinks they're they're actually going to be a thing if you talk to your average person. And yeah, maybe maybe it's stupid that we believe in this uh, in all these things and then we think that this can happen. But that's part of what makes investing investing. That's part of what makes Tesla Tesla. That's part of what makes technology so in, 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 enticing for everyone is that we can look towards a future that, wow, like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, we'd, we would have never thought this would have existed. But here we are now and being able to predict that next thing and, and to be able to live in that fantasy land almost, so to speak, of what could the future look like. And it's only show it's only so far away now uh is is super exciting so you just gave me goosebumps <laughs> what kind of goosebumps? Did you just hire you bro for the for the earnings call we should open with you that was a powerful motivating speech right there my i i, I guess i channeled my inner tony robbins a little bit <laughs> you did great let me uh pull up a couple uh comments from our uh communities these are across all communities and i it might show who, whose it is when I bring it up. I'm not really sure how this is going to work. So this is across all five. By the way, thank you all so much. My counter says 3,000 people are on. I don't know if that's across all channels, but I mean, three. that's insane. So we're almost half the size of CNN. Uh, Hans, uh, I don't think people on the other streams can see my comments though. Well, there you go. Now they can. You're welcome. Uh, question. Do you think they'll talk about from TNL? Do you think they'll talk about current run rates for Austin and Berlin and a DBE ramp progress? What do you guys think about that? That's actually an interesting call out. Anybody have any thoughts? Dude, we got five people. No one's talking. I sure hope so. I mean, this has been one of the slowest, you know, we've been talking about things that take longer than expected and show me rather than give me what your expectations are. 4680 ramping has been like molasses and there's an incredible number of technical challenges that they have to overcome to get 
DBE working. Um, so I'm not surprised, I guess, on the one hand, but um, the fact that we, we do get so few updates about this on any of the events definitely doesn't make me feel great. And I would love for them to be a little bit more open because I think even... Um, was it the shareholder day that they had all of the, the 4680 equipment was not really visible. You couldn't see any of the stuff. Um, they had all that area of the factory blocked off. So um, it, it's something that we definitely need to hear more about. For those that are not familiar, DBE stands for dry battery electrode, uh, which is part of their 4680 technology. Uh, thank you very much for your question. This comment I found to be very fascinating from Curious Sand. It's from, from one of y'all's channels. It look, has a, like a little chain on it. Uh, since the Tesla community continuously is digging up all potential new stuff Tesla is working on and have not yet completed, it's hard for Tesla to surprise with something completely new and finalized. Just a fascinating comment. And I think I 100% agree with that. What do you guys think about that? We're all here spoiling everything. <laughs> I wouldn't say anyone spoiled Optimus. <laughs> No one saw that coming. That's true. Well, it was actually part of Farzad's theory. Remember, Farzad, you were saying, well, if Tesla's going to come out with this like 30,000, 25,000 uh, model car, there's so many people that work on these lines that it's bound to leak before it actually comes out. Like, we're not going to just be surprised by it. And Correct. I guess that's what kind of like Highland, Highland is the funniest funniest thing right now it's like everyone like does highland exist no one actually knows at this point right like it's it's one of those things that everyone's trying to figure out but uh, i agree I, I, but but to that comments point like we almost overshoot take stuff that doesn't exist and try to connect the dots a little bit and, and then it turns out to be nothing really there at all so uh, i think they're i think it's a, it's it's both sides of the sword there a little bit sure. I, I was just gonna say what was it a couple years ago the twelve eleven thing Everyone was hyped like something was going to happen on 12 11, 12, 12, 12 21. I think it was 12 21. Oh, 12 09. No, no, 12 09. Yeah, December. Oh, 9th. I remember this. Oh, Tesla yeah. That's yeah. the numerology. Yeah, that was yeah, wild. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I even had like a thumbnail with like, what, like me wearing a tinfoil hat and talking about it. So <laughs> it was a big thing. Let me know in the comments if you guys, if you guys remember that. 12 09. Uh, your camera is shaking, making us motion sick. I'm really sorry. I have a makeshift table. I've been uh, experimenting with a lot of, uh, off the cuff things in the last couple of weeks. So I appreciate your patience. Thank you very much. We'll be back in the studio over the weekend. I promise. Um, this is, I don't even think we talked about this yet. I haven't heard much about the energy business lately. AI has overshadowed it a lot. Are we making gains in the energy storage business? Uh, maybe Matt, do you have any thoughts here since you literally know everything about energy across every, <laughs> every space? Right. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so, we are making gains. I mean, you've actually started to see this in the last couple of quarters, but it's just that we're at like the very kind of beginning of the S curve on that ramp. And, and, you know, like the, the Lathrop factory, when that hits full stride, I mean, that's going to be a $20 billion revenue a year facility, uh, but they're, they're not there yet. And it's going to take longer still from the point where they, they manufacture at that rate to the point at which they're getting deployed and the revenue is recognized. Cause there, there, you know, can be some, uh, significant lags on revenue recognition, uh, especially like when the, if you if one of the milestones for revenue recognition is interconnection, that is like the biggest bottleneck in in uh, a lot of projects right now, and that can take many years. Um, so it's going to take a while, I think, for that to ramp. But we're definitely seeing the progress. And I think um, looking at the analysts' numbers, I think Gary Black posted something about what analysts were projecting for Tesla Energy a couple of years out. And the, the numbers that they're projecting are just like woefully low. Um, so I don't think it's going to like rock the boat or, you know, cause like 
if there's a huge beat on Tesla Energy this uh, today, I don't think that's going to move the stock necessarily. But it is one thing that analysts are definitely underestimating right now. And just like one example, we were talking about 4680 and like DBE ramping. How many people remember that they're planning to build a 100 gigawatt hour factory at Giga Nevada right now too? And so like one of the facts I like to throw out there is just the the credits, just the regulatory credits on that alone is $4.9 billion a year once they hit scale. So think about that dropping to the bottom line. And if, if you aren't like baking in the extreme growth of tes- Tesla energy, then you're definitely missing a lot of the margin potential. And so I think, I mean, Elon commented recently, I think it's growing at 150 to 200% uh, annual run rate. Uh, which is obviously a lot faster than uh, than auto. So if you just compound that for a couple of years, all of a sudden it is impactful. So it's it's still small this year, even though it is growing at a, at a high rate. But if you fast forward to, say, 2026, 2027, and you're not doing that compounding the right way, your models are definitely going to be low. Thank you for that, Matt. And then lastly, uh, we're two minutes away from market close, and shortly thereafter will be uh, Tesla earnings. Greetings to all. Not legal advice, Richard. Thank you so much. If life gives you melons, you must be dyslexic. Thank you, Richard. Always giving us very wise advice. Thank you, brother. All right. We are uh, two minutes away from market close. Okay. Real quick, around the horn. Hans, Yashu, Matt, investing against the gray Nico. Let's uh, get your uh, final thoughts here. uh, 30 seconds, and then we'll see what Tessa comes out with. Go for it, Hans. Yeah. um, Probably somewhere sub 90 cents. EPS and uh hopefully we get yeah Cybertruck date uh, I think it's low probability but that's one of the big things and uh definitely looking forward to the Optimus comments gotcha. I'll say uh closer to 17% gross margin except credits um maybe low 80s uh, 80 cents ish for EPS um but again I think it, uh, I think I think the wild card could be the energy margin this this quarter. Matt? Yeah, so I'll stick with my 86 cents adjusted earnings per share. Um, you know, I think it's probably going to be a mixed bag report. I think there's going to be some bright spots and some spots that are, you know, disappointing a little bit. Um, so I think the the kind of vibe on the call and anything they can give on like forward-looking guidance, even if it's not explicit financial like numbers guidance, I think it was, what are they thinking about for the rest of the year? I think that'll be... Uh, what has the potential to move the stock probably more than the actual financial report for Q2. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess I think EPS uh, we beat by little uh, margins. I think we miss, but it can be okay as long as they can explain it away. And I'm really hoping for FSD talk and maybe this post earnings podcast, maybe something happens with that. Like they talked about. So cool. Uh, I'm at 81 cents diluted. EPS, and uh, I think I think we might start seeing some uh, lower costs on the auto side that might surprise. I think COGS might come down by more than people are expecting on a per unit basis. I'm hoping to see that. I'm seeing some lower price movements out of China. Uh, and one would think that all the inflation stuff that has gone away will start to kick in. So we'll see. Uh, I'm probably wrong, but doesn't I, hurt to. Yeah. Can I just throw in a wild card buyback, yeah. perhaps? Talk Ooh. about buyback and approval. I know, I know Nico's laughing because I'm always talking about buybacks, but there's an off chance the Tesla board has approved buybacks and that they're permitted to buy, I don't know, five billion, something like that, ten billion uh dollars worth of share buybacks throughout the rest of the year or the quarter or whatever they might do it. So just throwing that out there. 
Fair enough. All right. So we're not just waiting for Tesla earnings. What I should do is instead of sharing my tab, I should share my screen so y'all can see me switching between the Tesla stock price and the earnings report. So if you're new to joining us, uh, this is the point of the stream where we're all just patiently waiting for Tesla to release its earnings on their ir.tesla.com website. Uh, once it's posted, everything will probably... Uh, <laughs> this page is not going to work. And then you'll probably hear uh, uh, the folks on this panel start shouting out some numbers of what's coming in from everyone else getting the report we, before we did. And then once we finally get the report, we'll put it up and we'll walk through it. Uh, definitely let us know in the comments uh, what you think is going to happen here, what you expect uh, for Tesla to report. And then there's also a poll at the top of the page, uh, I believe on my, if you're on my channel, on my on my stream, you can kind of see it at the top where we ask uh, y'all what you think the stock's going to do tomorrow. So, uh, yeah. Do you guys do you guys get nervous? Go ahead, Yashu. Or Nico, who who said that? Yeah. That, that was me. I was just going to say, quick note: Netflix just dropped their their numbers too, and they're down about four percent. It's been bouncing around, so it seems like they had a bad beat, uh, which could be right. a bad sign for this earnings season in general. But that's a just quick little side note. Okay. How often is there a correlation between when Netflix reports and when Tesla reports? I don't think so. I, I think Netflix no. tends to be a little quicker, but okay. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, uh, and by the way, be careful with all the comments that people throw in what EPS is coming. I've been fooled a couple of times on stream by people throwing in that stuff's out. So I keep a, keep a watch on that. Good call. And I'm also um, refreshing in Canada. So our, our server is probably a little bit faster than you guys down south. So never right, know oh my God. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I just completely messed this up. Hang on. I'm North sharing. Fired. Double sharing. All right. Let me see if I can pull this up. Bradley Peterson. He's got, he's got a super chat. My God. This is why I need producer wife. I'm a mess. Bradley, I see your $19 super chat. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, which company is the best EV manufacturer and why is it Tesla? One word answers only uh, because. <laughs> Thank you so much for the $20 super chat. We'll make sure to uh, give it to these guys once they come down to Austin. We'll buy them a beer each. Um, have you guys seen the earnings yet or no? We're still waiting. Not yet. Not yet. Yes. Supposedly two minutes. So, yeah, I think it's okay. going to be like 105-ish. Yeah. So whatever it whatever it will be, I know we'll probably get a CNBC article within 30 seconds with the headline pre-written. So, you know, I guess we'll have that to read. The, the article, I've been thinking about this. The article is Tesla earnings flat despite selling uh, 50,000 more vehicles or something. It'll be something in that <laughs> yeah. vein, I think. I think I think it'll be like margins tank. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Despite the fact they're they're double trip everyone else's margins tank. Mm. <laughs> margins tank about, by 02 percent. <laughs> or how about Tesla stock suffers as Elon gets in a ring with Zuckerberg later this year? <laughs> you guys should go should go work for those guys. If if you haven't seen the the last uh, stream we did, so Matt is a phenomenal uh, comedian, and he's going to do an impersonation for us. Uh, on what Elon and Zach are going to say on, on the questions that are on say. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, it's going to be hilarious. Where's Emmett, by the way? Is Emmett joining us, Matt? Did he say he said he was going to be on? I, don't I know. thought, I he, thought he said he was, but I don't know. Last time okay. he was like going to an ice cream store with his kids when he joined. So I think he oh, yeah. takes a more nonchalant approach to this than, than, than most people. Got it. He, he calls himself Chili. So maybe Chili will join a little bit later. Chili, Chili. All right, we're refreshing. It's 4.05 Eastern, 3.05 Central, 1.05 Pacific. 
and we're waiting for this. Oh, somebody's saying it's up. Oh, there we go. All right. It is indeed up. Uh, 9.6% operating margin, 2.4 billion gap operating income, 2.7 billion gap net income, 3.1 billion non-gap net income, operating operating cash flow of 3.1 billion, free cash flow of a billion, 0.7 billion increase in our cash and investments quarter over quarter, Cybertruck factory tooling on track, produ producing RC4 builds, so re release candidate four builds, Model Y became the best-selling vehicle globally in Q1. Okay. So let's sit down and see. So revenues came in at 24.9. Uh, gap gross margin is down sequentially by, uh, let's see, 1.1% from 19.3 to 18.2. Operating margin is also down from 11.4% to 9.6. Uh, let's see. And I'm going to start putting these numbers into my Excel spreadsheet here shortly so we can actually look at this. EBITDA margin is actually up uh, sequentially from 18.3% to 18.7%. Um, where is that coming from? I'm seeing energy is actually uh, down slightly quarter over quarter on revenues, which is a big surprise to me. Okay. Yeah. 15.29 to 15.09. So slight uh, services and other revenue is down by about 300 million. Let's see. All right. Let me go down to their breakout by and make sure everybody can see this, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure this is up on the screen. Let's look at what the stock is doing. Uh, stock is down 1.3% in after hours right now. So not a huge down movement. Uh, but as we go through this deck, uh, we'll be able to, where did it go? Okay. Here we go. This looks pretty good on the surface. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, Earnings per share came in at 91 cents, adjusted earnings per share, which is which is pretty good. I'm trying to see if there was a big, um, like where that beat's coming from. So I'll keep digging into this. Yeah, if you see still, anything in the comments, make sure you share. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Still, still a $600 million negative foreign exchange impact again this quarter. Yeah, the, the nice thing is like reg credits are consistent at 567 million, which is, it was 564 in Q1. So you know, that's, that's a nice indicator that it's not a low quality beat necessarily. It's not like they just, you know, doubled their reg credits because everyone likes to back those out. Um, so that's, I, I agree. I'm looking at this. I'm thinking this is actually hmm. like pretty good. Yeah. Free cash flow of a, of, a, of a cool Billy. So total cash, cash equivalents are 23.1 billion. So even though they're, they're, uh, car gross margin is down sequentially, we're still able to generate more profit quarter over quarter which is what helped them sort of uh, publish a, uh, a higher net income quarter over quarter. I'm just trying to see. Yeah. So the operating leverage really is kicking in here is what, what we're taking away from this at just the first glance. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, 10%, close to 10% operating margin. And they actually talk about this. They say our operating margin remained healthy at approximately 10%, even with price reductions in Q1, Q2. Uh, this reflects our ongoing cost reduction efforts, the continued production ramp success in Berlin and Texas, and strong performance of our energy and services and other businesses. There's also a $328 million uh, plus on the other income line, Matt. Have you ever seen this number before? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. What is that? What is that coming from? Interesting. 
That's a good catch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big anomaly on that line. Um, is that the one-time FSD impact? You think? No, because that that comes through uh, automotive sales. Um, it's possible like that could be. I don't know if that's where where like Bitcoin would go. Like if maybe they sold some of their Bitcoin holdings at a at a gain from where it had been marked. That's potential. I don't see that anywhere though. Okay. Just a little quick theory. Digital assets net actually increased sequentially, so I don't think that would be the the item. Let's look at how. So the stock's actually up now, one point six five percent in after hours. So market seems to be liking this. Let me go ahead and read uh, some of these uh, pointers here on the on the screen. I'll try to make it as big as possible so y'all can read it with me. Uh, I do appreciate uh, apologize if it's a little small. I'll try my best here. So revenue. Total revenue grew 47% year over year in Q2 to uh, 25 billion. Uh, revenue was impacted by the following items. So growth in vehicle delivers was positive. Growth in other parts of the business was positive. Reduced uh, ASP year over year. So that's average selling price year over year, excluding foreign exchange impact was negative. And foreign exchange impact of 0.6 uh, billion, so 600 million was also uh, negative. Our operating income... Uh, Decreased slightly year over year to 2.4 billion, resulting in a 9.6% operating margin. Year over year, operating income was primarily impacted by the following items. To reduce ASP, they're still calling that as a negative. Cost of production ramp of 4680 sales and other related ch ch charges is a negative. Income and operating expenses driven by Cybertruck, AI, and other large projects. I believe this is the first time we're getting this line on the earnings report. So an increase in operating expenses driven by Cybertruck, AI, and other large projects. Negative Forex, positive growth in deliveries, which we've covered. Lower cost per vehicle, which includes lower raw material costs and IRA credit. So they call that, did they call it the IRA credit before, Matt, or is this the first time? Uh, I don't think they actually explicitly called it that. Um, I, I can pull up the other one just to check, but that, okay. that seems to be new language. Yeah, they, they, so the, they did not have IRA in, in the whole, in Q1 letter. So that is definitely new language. Okay. Uh, gross profit growth in energy business as well as services and others. So they're calling out a gross profit growth in energy uh, business. So we'll have to sit down and see um, what that looks like. And again, they're calling out uh, a, uh, a mainly a free cash flow of a billion dollars, partially offset by other financing activities, including debt repayments. Uh, and the cash equivalents and investments increased sequentially by 0.7 billion to 23.1. So they were still able to add cash to their uh, balance sheet quarter over quarter. Let me go out to this uh, Outlook page uh, We on volume. We are planning to grow production as quickly as possible in alignment with the 50% compounded annual growth rate target we began guiding to in early 2021. In some years, we may grow faster and some we may grow slower depending on a number of factors. For 2023, we expect to remain ahead of the long-term 50% KGAR with around 1.8 million vehicles for the year. Uh, cash, we have ample liquidity to fund our product roadmap, long-term capacity expansion plans, and other expenses. Furthermore, we will manage the business such that we maintain a strong balance sheet during this uncertain period. So they're calling out an uncertain period, uh, which I'm, I'm assuming is tied to potential recession fears and what the Fed's doing with interest rates. Profit, while we continue to execute on innovations to reduce the cost of manufacturing operations, over time, we expect our hardware-related profits to be accompanied by an acceleration of AI, software, and fleet-based profits. Um, interesting language there. 
and uh, product. Cybertruck remains on track to begin initial production later this year at Gigafactory Texas. In addition, we continue to make progress on our next generation platform. So I'll pause there and see if anybody has any thoughts. I'm not sure if you guys were able to go in and, and dig up some numbers. I'm going to try to do that on my end. Uh, does anyone have any thoughts they want to share uh, while I try to do some math here? Sure. Uh, if you go one page back, up, just up. Uh, yeah, right there. So, and, and and yeah, go ahead, do your math. So, so the services and other businesses section is interesting. So they say the second quarter of 2023, the uh, or the second quarter has been the quarter of supercharging. A significant, uh, significant number of companies, including Ford, GM, Mercedes, Nissan, blah blah blah, have adopted the North American charging standard. And then if you, and they show the services and other gross margin graph, and they and they show that it's close to 10 percent now. Matt, do you know how much of a bottom line driver services? currently is and how much do you think it could be here not to put you on the spot but yeah i was looking at something else but the it, it has historically been pretty small um just because the i mean the 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 uh, base of numbers is, is pretty small to begin with so i think, I think last year or last quarter it was 135 million um in, in growth profit um and so it's like the 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 overall base that it is it's like 1.8 billion in in uh yeah. revenue q1, q1. So like that, I do expect that will grow, um, but I, I have a hard time with that line, to be honest with you, just like thinking mm. about how many F-150 Lightnings and Rivians there are out there relative mm. to the size of the Tesla fleet. It seems like it's relatively small to me. Um, so for that to be like a big driver of uh, revenue and eventually margin, seems like that would just take a, a like a slow burn. I think to mm. me, the bigger thing on this side is is like the, the sale price for the used vehicles that they they sell, which... Um, especially when you consider the the cars coming off uh, lease that they have coming through, that's where that line hits the services line as well. Um, so like all the initial Model Threes that were leased in you know 2019, 2020, I think 2020 is actually when they introduced it. Those are coming off lease now, so Tesla can sell them for a profit. But um, with used car prices down, that I think that's that's hurt a bit in Q2, I would think. Hey Farzad, can you go to the installed annual vehicle capacity? Where uh, what page is that? Oh, here. Uh, yep. Notice on the next gen uh, platform on the left, it says various now. So that's confirmation. That's new. Interesting. So it's not just a Mexico thing. It's going to be in multiple facilities. Good catch. Uh, sorry, go ahead, please. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, I think we all knew that, but, you know, it's nice to see it <laughs> confirmed that they're looking at that various, uh, I think, there's rumors, you know, in Austin as well. So I think it's exciting. Um, real quick, the math I did. So even though energy was down sequentially, uh, margins are up to 18.4% from uh, 11% on energy. So it looks like in this quarter, they spend some time to maybe get their processes down pat. Uh, and they were able to raise their margins by about uh, 600 basis points, roughly more actually. It could also be just the the type of, of products that they were able to uh, recognize the revenue on. So um, the they have significantly increased the price of Megapack over the last couple quarters or years. Sorry, it was going originally going for about three hundred fifty dollars per kilowatt hour. Um, now it's it's more like five hundred dollars if you include installation, maybe four fifty without. Um, so it depend in any given quarter if you're recognizing revenue from an older order, um, you know that was at that lower price point. Um, that that's going to have a, a big
big difference once you start rolling those off and you get to the higher price point, you know, $500 per kilowatt hour uh, mega packs. So hopefully this is kind of like more like the, the new normal level. Cause I think I was not expecting 18% gross margins. It's, it's actually funny. I was expecting a lot more revenue growth, um, but they actually had revenue growth that was essentially flat, but still beat my gross margin expectations. Cause <laughs> like the, the costs were, uh, so much lower than, than what I was expecting. So that's certainly a, a good sign. And, um, I, I think I would rather see that than, <laughs> than like slightly more aggressive, uh, top line growth. Cause we already know the pipeline's so strong. So the fact that like, I'm, we might need to start revising our energy margins upward if, if they can do this, <laughs> this high of a margin with, you know, essentially flat deployments. That's Any a other very thoughts? good sign. The more I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And and that line of in, in in the energy storage paragraph, they say the uh, the ramp of this forty gigawatt hour mega factory, the first of many, has been successful with still more room to reach full capacity. What page is uh, this? Uh, this is page nine. And then they say while energy storage deployment rate can be volatile to uh, uh, due to pay, uh, project timing, production rate improved further sequentially in quarter two. So they talk a little bit about why perhaps. Uh, they might have had a little bit of a bumpy uh, quarter for energy revenues. Yeah. And then just a question for you, Matt, how does the margin work? Are they basically dividing the revenue recognized this quarter by the cost of manufacturing for this quarter? Like, how does the no. revenue recognition and the manufacturing, like the delay in those two things affect margin? So, um, any mega pack that they built, let's say, let's say they, they built a mega pack a year ago and it just got deployed this quarter. So it's like the revenues recognized this quarter, the, the cost that they incurred a year ago to make that mega pack, they got um, put into inventory at the time on the balance sheet. And then once the revenue is recognized, those costs come out of inventory and they go into cost of goods sold. So any revenue recognized um, for in, like for a particular project, uh, reflects more like the historic cost basis and, you know, and uh, pricing that that was there. Um, it's, it's not like it's it's not a, a necessarily an accurate reflection of exactly what is the the profitability of the um, um, Lathrop factory today, because it's the, the things are are locked. The costs are locked in with the time of the product that was built. Let us know uh, if, if you're seeing anything else. Um, Nico, I see you published a link in the private chat. Is that? Yeah, that, that's uh, CNBC's uh, title, just since we were talking about it. But I did. Oh, okay. I know we're all talking about numbers here. I'm going to be the child here. If you look at the report and go down to the pictures, there's one where <laughs> the cyber truck is covered in mud. And I kind of feel like this is a shot to, to Jim Farley. They label it cyber truck built to do real work. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, if you're not if you're not familiar, uh, Farley was out there saying that you know this car, the the F one fifty is built for like real people. You know what's even more interesting? We can see the the radius of the wiper. Look, it's like this portion of the windshield is not being. Um, uh, wiped unless there's like something else going on. I find that interesting. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I find mm -hmm. that interesting. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. That's funny though. That's pretty funny. Uh, 
what else is there anything else we want to hit up on the on the earnings deck here i know alexandra is going to join us here shortly as well to give us her thoughts on what's going on um let me browse through some of the pictures here seems pretty benign doesn't it that nothing oh. crazy production line at gigafactory texas so that's interesting so we have a cyber truck obviously being uh it's covered up and it's uh, so it looks like they i mean the cyber the, the line is there they've built out the line um it looks to me that it's missing equipment though and, and i have heard that from some people that are you know suppliers that they don't have all of our equipment that, that's destined for that line yet so to me this is a, a kind of point consistent with yashu's expectations for later kind of delivery i my, my suspicion like if you looked at that picture that they showed um, Taylor Ogan actually pointed this out. I thought it was a good point, even though he drives me nuts sometimes. <laughs> um, but like Cybertruck didn't have a driver's side door. Like you can see the people behind it. Um, and so to me, it's like this was <laughs> this was probably a like um, hand built, mostly like prototype, as opposed to like um, something that was like validated by all the equipment that's going to be on the, the process eventually. Because I, I know there's definitely equipment missing, and it does look like that just based on how much open space there is on the side of it. I think there was a door. It was just open, and people were. Oh, was it? Okay, so maybe it. I, I misinterpreted yeah. that, but I, the the broader point I think still still holds sure. is at least yeah. right. The theory does. You fall yeah. for the fud, Matt. Come on. Now. <laughs> That's why you got community notes. Byd yeah. for life. <laughs> Here um, we got more uh, pictures of Cybertruck. Sorry, Yash, go ahead. No, oh, nothing. I was just like I saw um, I saw the Bitcoin people talking about Tesla still holding Bitcoin, so. There's that side of the crowd that's still excited about that. Okay. Yeah. So here's the picture. Uh, yeah. I, maybe that. Yeah. I, I, the door's right here. You can see it. Right? Or is it the guy's shirt? No, because it, it you would have been able to see his vest. So it looks like that, there's a door. That guy's leg. I don't. To me, it, it doesn't look like there's a door there. Like looking at that that one guy's leg that you can see kind of by the steering wheel. There's either no door or it's open at such a strange angle. That you can't see it. It looks like his that guy's arm is resting on something though, don't you think? Right here. It almost looks I like there's know. a door. Anyway. Door gate. Oh god. Gate. <laughs> there we go. You're right. And there's no door, so they're not gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, it's a fake product. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's CGI. I, I think it's quite good that if this was going to be kind of the bottom of the barrel tesla report and if you talk about zooming up in this landscape of, of ugly macro interest rate environment price cuts continue to happen um low cost efficiency still with factories ramping up i mean could we agree that this quarter would probably be the bottom for tesla margins and it's up from here or is there a risk that uh tesla has to continue to cut prices here to be able to hit their hit their unit numbers what do you guys think I mean, I mean, there's always a risk, but it does seem that that orders have stabilized based on all the indicators that you can kind of see publicly. Um, I know Tesla's been kind of adjusting those a little bit, but I mean, if if you believe what they were saying in the last earnings call that you know the the order rate has is actually above their production rate, that seems to be consistent. And you know, we've seen a couple of very small price increases in a couple of different geographies since then. Um, so it seems most likely to me that like we're we've reached a relative point of stability and then from here you can kind of re march up that that kind of um 
operating leverage and, you know, you get more scale. So you get, you know, lower cost of goods sold and your gross margin increases. I mean, that was the train that we were on for like a good five years there. Um, then price cuts kind of knocked us off. And I feel like we're, we're kind of back on that course of increasing margins going forward. So I, I would be surprised if, if we don't increase gross margins going forward. I agree with that. Uh, real quick on that Bitcoin line. Yeah, digital assets net, it's at 184 and it's held, st held steady since uh, the second quarter. So they haven't really touched their Bitcoin. And do we, there's a big jump in OPEX this quarter, um, 1.8 to 2.1. Um, is that, let me see, if is that, break, is that broken down so we can see where the majority of that uptick came from? It's mostly R&D. R&D. Okay. So is that Cybertruck or AI R&D, you think? I guess it's no way to know, but... I think it's NVIDIA GPUs, probably H100s. I was going to say, hmm. I think it's probably... I think it's a little bit of everything, but I would say a big part of it is probably Dojo. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an uptick of, uh, what, 300 million, kind of-ish? 300 million yeah. dollar quarter over quarter? Yeah, quite significant. Yeah. Yeah, the services yeah. and other line is interesting, man. Like that that one is 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 kind of a that's a big jump from 18.3 to 21.5 or to uh 1.83 to 2.15. That's 300 million increase in services and other revenue. And you we highlighted it in the other chart, you know, you were talking about the this guy. Uh services and other gross margins. I mean, they're not only uh, making more money from services and other, but they're also their margins are increasing sequentially. Um, yeah, I got a question on that yeah. for for the smarter people here. With the supercharging network, does that fall under services and other, or does that consider under energy? It does. Okay, so with higher utilization of supercharge, I mean, I I drove up to Boston with my wife, and they were never full ever. I never waited. They were empty half the time. So higher utilization. I mean, I would imagine that's going to make that line just look a lot better over time rather than this fear everybody has of, you know, Tesla losing their moat. I mean, how do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's, that's going to be the case. I mean, if, if you think of what's going to drive revenue in that part of the business, it's the growth of the cumulative fleet and, you know, how, how, how many miles are people driving? Um, so I do think that that's, going to continue to grow at a, at a pretty aggressive um, rate, especially as we're opening this up to other networks. Um, the one thing I was trying to check the math on is, um, and I wish I had it prepared, is what was the, the change in leased vehicles in Q1 of 2020 compared to Q2 of 2020? Because that's that gives you a good indication of the, uh, of the change in services revenue, because a lot of those vehicles that were coming off lease are just going to be you know, sold by Tesla then and as used vehicles. And that's where that hits too. Real quick, let me read this line uh, from artificial intelligence software and hardware uh, from page eight. Four main technology pillars are needed to solve vehicle autonomy at scale, extremely large real world data set, neural net training, vehicle hardware and vehicle software. We are developing each of these pillars in house this month, we are taking a step towards faster and cheaper neural net training with the start of production of our Dojo training computer. Um, and they have it next to the graph with the Dojo thing going up. 
and they've also reshared this graph on the lower right hand side that highlights the uh, the teraflop or the the exaflop increase in com compute. That was something that they also shared on their um, the Twitter account a while ago, just to highlight that. What else? Any other thoughts on the on the deck? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how Tesla Q spins the R and D thing because if you think about it, they all all they ever say is, "Well, for Tesla to do all this stuff, how are they only investing so little in R and D?" And you know, if any legit company was serious about this stuff, they'd be investing more in R and D. And I bet you the same people now are going to twist this narrative around and say, "Well, look at Tesla's opex; it's it's crazy high R and D. They're sucking all this money out." So it's going to be interesting to see how this spins. Um, but I would love to get Elon's insight into R&D specifically and, and the uptick there. And is this a continual uptick? Like, is it a one-time thing where they buy all these chips or is it a, hey, we, we foresee this cost increasing still? I, I was going to say just from an accounting perspective, I would be very surprised if this did reflect the like actual purchases of you know, like NVIDIA chips. Um, I, I don't know the exact um, treatment around this, but my strong suspicion would be that th those purchases would be capitalized and depreciated over time. Um, so I would expect that that shows up in your investing cash outflows as opposed to hitting the OPEX line right there. And then over time, as you use them, um, then I would expect that depreciation to hit and you know, for it to show up in SG&A that way through depreciation rather than, hey, we bought a boatload of new chips this quarter. So it like hits in, in a lumpy fashion this quarter. That's just generally speaking, that's that's not the way that that would be treated, I don't think. Would you right. say the same so, thing for dojo production? Well, I mean, for costs associated with getting the program up and running, those, those would be like expenses. But if you're like actually building, there's a little bit of gray area here. And I think they even mentioned it like in the Cybertruck line, some of those startup expenses with getting the line going are actually in SGNA as opposed to being, you know, capitalized. Um, or sorry, I think it's the other way around. Some of those expenses are being capitalized, I believe, as opposed to running through SGNA. Um, and that, but then once you get to production, um, then it all becomes expense generally. Um, that is, there's always some wiggle room in this, and you know, without knowing every individual. Uh, decision that's that's being made it's hard to kind of be overly specific but i think it's safe to say that like they're probably hiring a ton more like very expensive like highly paid ai people and i would imagine those are like going to stick around to, to to stay we know they're for sure using a lot more electricity in in like their their compute clusters um their their, their gpu clusters so like that's gonna be there to stay um and then yeah like any r d related expenses for actually getting the you know the the dojo chip like up and running and like everything associated with getting that i think a lot of that's that's going to be um you know just inefficiencies um you know that all uh, are probably going to be expensed right now makes sense yeah that totally makes sense and one last thing i don't have to sign off here but uh the stream will keep going uh one last thing i'll say is sgna so we talked about tesla advertising and tesla finally has started to run google ads um verified this 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 quarter so so sgna line that's gone from about 1.07 billion to 1.2 almost billion so of course uptick from last quarter and and decently so year over year as well um, interesting to see maybe Tesla or Elon or Zach or someone talk about what they foresee as their budget for advertising moving forward. Um, can't imagine it'd be a lot, a lot because they haven't put out video ads or anything at, like, uh, like that yet, just text, but, um, it'll be interesting to see. 
Uh, great stream. Thanks, guys. Keep it going. I'll keep watching, but uh, I have to sign off here. Much love. Awesome, man. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, something that was interesting, I, don't, I, I can't recall if you mentioned this, but inventory is actually uh, relatively flat quarter over quarter. So 14.3 14 billion previous quarter, 14.3 billion this quarter. Uh, so they were talking about ending the wave and they had a little bit of a blurb on the um on the on the one of the earlier pages and it looks like the actually the the value of the inventories has held steady this isn't like units this is dollars just for those that are following um but i find that interesting so i wonder if there's going to be any sort of you know there's been a lot of like um um uh, concerns from the bear side or they're, they're bringing up these things that hey look they, they can't sell inventory they're stuck with a bunch of inventory but it's actually been flat quarter over quarter especially with their higher deliveries in second queue so that doesn't make guess. a whole lot of sense to me since their production number was significantly higher than their delivery number for the quarter so how does that work i guess is it just producing low in cogs maybe producing at lower cogs yes right and just that i guess that would be like if they have more cars in inventory but the cost is the same those are going to be the cars that are going to be sold next quarter. So maybe that's what we see, like a, a maybe a margin surprise. Next or quarter. maybe they delivered almost all of their, like if they had significant SNX inventory oh. last quarter and they were able to clear through all SNX this quarter, maybe. That's a good point because they delivered twice as many SNXs this quarter than the previous quarter. Although their yeah. their um, SNX production was actually still higher than their delivery, I believe, or at least it was very close. So I don't think that should be driving a big change. I, I would say that the other thing to keep in mind is that that's all inventory for all parts of their their business. So like it could be that there was a significant deployment of mega packs, for example. Yeah. Um, and so those come out of inventory like we were talking about. And if those were like higher cogs inventory from the, the Giga Nevada plant, for example, and you're just getting those off the off the balance sheet now, that could be kind of an outsized reduction in in the balance sheet now that given the magnitude of that difference i don't i don't think mega packs would account for that whole thing so i think it's, it's probably a lot more than just that but um that does surprise me also um but it if it was a leading indicator of you know kind of lower cost of goods sold uh going forward that would definitely be be good news um yeah. probably a little bit too hard to extrapolate from that one data point though got to wait for the queue where they break some of this out in more detail I guess the 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 good thing from it is that they're just a, a smaller percentage of their cash is an in inventory relative to their to their bank account basically. So it's they're a bit more they're being more efficient with their deployment of cash and there's not an inventory it's just sitting in their bank account. I guess is the overall takeaway here. Okay. Any other highlights we want to take from the uh from the deck before we uh maybe start getting ready for the call? Any thoughts on the deck? I did just have another question for Matt. Um, do referrals come out of their advertising budget or is that out of SGNA? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I'm not entirely sure. You could probably argue that it would be like a cost of the product, so maybe it could go in COGS. Um, but if, you know, I mean, it, it probably also depends on what the referral bonus is. Um, so I, I would think it probably comes out of COGS or, you know, or is recognized by like a lower revenue recognition like if so if, if you got like a free power wall or something like that um that's a good question i'm not sure exactly all right thank you all for joining us 
uh, on this wonderful earnings day. Let me pull up the uh, stock price. We're looking quite flat uh, in after hours. I mean, I think I think the overall tone of this uh, of this earnings report, at least, it just seems like okay, a little bit better than expected. Um, nothing really. It doesn't seem like there's any any alarm bells going off from anybody. It looks like they they the, there was a little bit uh, lower margin, which uh, a lot of us expected. Uh, there was a uh, look at why wow, this stream just got so much more beautiful all of a sudden. My God, <laughs> what happened? Holy Thank moly! You. How are y'all doing, guys? Great. Before I, I keep rambling on, let me hand it over to you. So you've had uh, a solid half an hour to digest the earnings. I was just saying <laughs> that it that. seems like, yeah, <laughs> I was just saying that uh, it, it looks like it just you know we were all talking about this before. It doesn't seem like anything too crazy kind of in line with expectations. Well, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's exactly it. I hope I didn't interrupt anybody. Um, no. So yeah, it took me a little bit of time and there was always five other things happening at the same time. Isn't it crazy? When something's happening, some so many other things have to happen at the same sure. time, in, including Elon answering to one of my, my tweets. I was like, can I believe it? <laughs> in the middle of earnings. Um, so there we go. So my thought is this has as is no impact on the stock price or on anything, right? We're on track. The things that are less than I expected are all explainable. The ramp of the 4680, the ramp of the Syro truck, the money they're pouring into AI. So those were higher expenses than I thought we would expect, but it's for good cause and it's only temporary. Inventory was for me a real good positive, only 16 days. Not that I was ever worried about inventory, but that should really um, put a whole... I mean, if I see another of those inventory charts from those Tesla Q, I'm just going to explode, right? So because inventory is not the problem, right? Free cash flow has recovered. Remember three months ago, that was my first point when I joined three months ago, where I was like, oh, I don't like the free cash flow number. It's, it's good. What I really liked is the lower cost per car. We are on the good way for cost reduction. Uh, energy storage, a bit less, but I mean, Matt can explain to us. I mean, accounting for energy storage is just so complicated, right? Um, the megawatts deployed is a bit lower than I expected. But again, this I, I have no grip yet on how stable energy storage should grow or whether we just have to account for all those variables from quarter over quarter. Um, what I'm always surprised on is their Forex comments. Like, again, they put it in the negatives, but a couple of lines below, they say, well, in certain countries, it was actually a net positive. So I don't get their currency management. I mean, it's actually funny because 25 years ago, like half my life ago, I, I started being a currency, um, a currency Forex trader. That's how I got into banking. And I look at that and I think I should understand that. And then every time I look at the Tesla financials, I'm like, I don't understand why they're saying it's a negative when I expected a positive or the other way around. But I mean, there, there I am. If ever I can talk to anybody there that explains me that, I'll be most happy. But but overall, just smooth sailing. What is lower than expected can all be explained with actually, you know, good, solid reasons. And uh, and everything else now depends on the earnings call and what they're going to tell us. And I hope that Elon is in as good a mood as he seemed to have been all morning. Any reactions to Alexandra's commentary from anybody on the call? These are earnings. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so like, I was just gonna maybe touch on on the the one point that you you posed to me on on um, you know Megapacks. It's it's so 
it's like impossible to to kind of project how this is going to come quarter over quarter. I mean, I, I built out like a very detailed model, which kind of built in like a revenue recognition lag and how many products, how many mega packs would be built versus deployed versus, you know, recognized out in the field. And, but you're just grasping at all those assumptions. And so and if you imagine they're doing some big like, you know, six gigawatt hour deployment, which they they have some that are that size, then when that hits, it's going to like make it like almost impossible. So I guess my my um, thoughts around this would be like, let's watch like the trailing 12 month trend over time and like see how that how that um, uh, kind of kind of looks because it should be incredibly positive. But um, this, you know, quarter over quarter lumpiness is just impossible. Like I, I really understand this stuff. And I still just we don't have enough information to um, to, to get there. Um, one other thing I noted, Farzad, you were asking about that other income line, uh, how that was like, what was it like yeah. 200 to 300 million? 329, um, I think. Yeah. So they have a, a note in here that says other income below operating income line was positively impacted by FX movements on certain intercompany balances. So that's kind of a, a strange one. I'm not sure what was driving that. I mean, that could be one Tesla Q kind of picks apart as, oh, you're like, you're artificially inflating your business, but it's like, okay, $200 million. It's like, go find something else to complain about. Yeah, and didn't you like the fact that we're now close to 25 billion of sales per quarter? I mean, this is just this is such a horrendous number. I'm, this morning, I, I retweeted somebody who said, well, they are looking forward when revenues will be a trillion per year. And then I had obviously some people saying, oh, it's already a trillion. No, 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 it's close to a trillion in market cap, not in revenues. So if we extrapolate just this quarter, which obviously is only Q2, Q3 and 4 will be higher, uh, but that, that would mean 100 billion per year. So a trillion will be 10 times that. And we'll get there. There is no doubt we'll get there. But it's just it, it gives me a lot of, uh, of uh, on my heart. Sorry, I stopped speaking French, getting all these emotions. Um, <laughs> but but the, I mean, the 25 billion, I think, is a real good milestone. I mean, it's a really important milestone, and we should, should celebrate it. Did we also talk about uh, interest income? is continuing to increase was that something we hit on to two to 238 million yeah and i think they went into heavily into t-bills again i i have that somewhere let me let me find it i would say well, while she's looking that up that that's not necessarily a huge surprise i mean just it's mostly a function of their cash balance and the higher interest rate environment so that's why we've, we've seen it really kick up in the last couple quarters so not a nothing that's a surprise i, I don't think uh, for this quarter Exactly. I mean, it, it went from barely three billion to now close to three point five um, for everything that's cash equivalents investment. So that's all that short term stuff. Um, and and I mean, short term rates are still uh, um, are still quite uh, quite important. And we did move up by nearly a billion in in cash reserves. So I do believe that that's the reason why it's uh, it was well managed. Um, I also felt, wasn't it, that accounts receivable went out, went down a little tiny bit. I mean, nothing, nothing really important. There was a question this morning actually on Twitter: What happened to those seven hundred and something uh, million that you know that Reuters uh, announced were given back in stock options? I think these were reintegrated there. I didn't have the time really to find where they should be. If I understood it right, it should be in the operating expensive where they reappear. Um, I'm not sure where they are, so I, I'm. I wanna. Ha I have to. I have to dig a little bit further to understand. Didn't you love that that second Cybertruck uh, image? You know, the one in the dirt. I, I was like, 
The one thing that I, uh, the wiper doesn't go all the way. <laughs> it doesn't cover like one third of the windscreen. <laughs> Did you talk about the missing yeah. door? <laughs> oh yeah. Door gate. We talked about door gate. It is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the door? Where is the wiper? <laughs> so funny. Um, so what I'm, I'm just, what I'm doing right now is I'm just putting all the numbers into my spreadsheet just to make sure they're all online. Uh, yeah, so far as while you do that, and I got yeah. all these brilliant people on here, there's been, um, I don't want to call anyone out, but there's been someone who's very reputable in this type of space, financial YouTuber, who has talked about Tesla needing to go back to the capital markets. And I was probably talking to like James Stevenson to better understand this, because to me, I don't, it doesn't seem like they have to from everything that I understand. He seems to agree Tesla in the earnings call or in earnings report, they say that they have enough cash to fund everything they're trying to do. So, you know, with Alexandra and Matt, you know, could you help me understand what I might be missing on that front? Or if you have no idea what I'm talking about, we can just move on. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about, but let me address what we have. So we have now 23 billion in cash, right? I know there was another, maybe it's the same YouTuber going on. Yeah, but that's only temporary cash because they have all these obligations to play the, uh, to pay their suppliers. I mean, that's crap because there's constantly money coming in and coming out. So this is just, you know, holding it at one moment and that's 23 billion. So you can't just take this 23 and deduct all the rest because by the time to, you deduct all the rest, there's more money coming in. So just don't get confused by that. That's the first one. The second is last quarter, I think it was, they had that new credit line Maybe wrong, remember that, but I think it's with Citibank now, right? I think it was with Deutsche Bank and they changed it to Citibank. So that's a credit line that they can pull at any moment. Obviously, at the moment, they are not. I think it was very wise to have put that in place and it was at stellar, more than AAA conditions. The third thing they are now looking at, what came out last week, is doing an asset backed security. They've done an asset backed security before. What is that? That is a pool of all the leases they currently hold. And taking it out of the current balance sheet to put it into that asset-backed security that then uh, the market can purchase or even retail investors can purchase so that it's off this balance sheet. And, um, and, and then so the risk is not with Tesla anymore. I think that's actually a very clever move. Why? I've discussed this before. I think Tesla, sorry, my English, pissed off a couple of banks by uh, lowering prices so radically. Why? Because a bank has lended, let's say, six or eight months ago for a car at a certain price, asking the owner of the new car to put down whatever, 5%, 10%, 20%, and taking the rest on the bank's books. When then suddenly the prices of all these models dropped abruptly, the bank has an issue. The bank needs to readjust their books because now they're holding suddenly 100% of the car value and they have to, so they're having this loss. And a lot of banks don't like that because they have to readjust if they don't do it linear. And if they do it linear, well, then it becomes untradeable. So by doing this asset-backed security for leases, and they may actually be able to do it also for car loans in a second time or in the same vehicle, I have to look into it. But that is uh, to be able to circumstance those banks that are less willing to finance Tesla cars just because they have it in the stomach at the moment to be able to direct these, to first take them on their own balance sheet, but then to direct the, the, these into these asset-backed securities. So none of this is bad credit risk for, for Tesla. Actually, all of it is Tesla being treated as a AAA entity by these banks, by these uh, 
uh, swap desks and whoever else puts these up. So don't get confused with the old rating agencies trying to tell you something else. This is really what you know shows the stellar financials and situation that uh, that Tesla is in. And Matt, you want to add something? Still have a negative cash conversion cycle, so that they're actually getting paid for their vehicles before they're paying all their suppliers for parts. I think so, right? I mean, I don't know how long, with 16 days of inventory, I don't know whether that is still as favorable as it was in the good old days, but I mean, 16 days is short, and usually I think they have 30 days to pay, right? Yeah, I think it's it's got to be, um, because if like as you continue to grow, if you're generating operating cash flow while you're growing top line, that means that that, that implies a negative cash conversion cycle. So it's, I would suspect that has to be the case. F I got a with your kids. Oh, thanks. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Yeah. How's, how's everything going? Great discussion. I've been listening. You guys are on the ball. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts on the, I might've missed it, but the gross margin, 18 point, you know, uh, seven or 8%, I think. What was your uh, impression on that number? Have you been able to dive into that a little bit to try to estimate the IRA credits or anything in that? Um, so are you talking about the energy side in particular or automotive or total? Automotive, yeah, pri pri primarily automotive, yeah. I guess the total yeah, so I think is it was, point something, right? Well, I think it was like nineteen two on the automotive side, including <laughs> regulatory credits, um, okay. which which was slightly lower than, than I was expecting, um, but like pretty much in line. I mean, they 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 beat a little bit on energy gross margin. They beat a little bit on services gross margin. There was some other kind of positives below the line uh, in, in other income that uh, helped boost the adjusted EPS to be a, a pretty size. Like what is it? Like a ten cent beat? I think ninety one cents. Consensus was at 81, I think. Um, so, so pretty strong quarter, uh, but also relatively in line with what I thought. I mean, the stock's basically flat after hours, and that's kind of what I would expect with with this. So, um, yeah, pretty solid quarter. I mean, I think the the attention's just going to shift to uh, the outlook and like what is Elon's mood, and you know what <laughs> what, what are we going to talk about in this earnings call? Uh, which we were saying before the 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 report came out, we think that's probably more important than these quarterly numbers, anyways. I mean, this. We all expected this to be a trough. Looks like this is going to be a local trough. Um, so the the guidance from here, I think, is what's going to be much more important to valuation and the stock price narrative. Yeah. Didn't you find the regulatory credits quite low? Because I mean, I was looking at the competition, and they they just didn't perform, right? So I would have expected that they were able to sell just as a direct line deduction more, and it's a half of last last quarter right it, it's lower than q3 2022 which was a low one uh it wasn't lower than last quarter was it i mean it was yeah, last quarter it? was 521 and now 282 oh it was 282 I must have looked at yeah. the wrong thing um i thought it was in the 500 million dollar range so that's the i guess the hazard no, no, of doing this 282 Oh yeah, well, that that does surprise me. Then yeah, I, I must have been looking at the line right below that, the automotive leasing. Yeah, that's that's a big surprise to me actually. Um, I, I definitely would have expected that to be in the five hundred million dollar range. Exactly, me too. I mean, looking at and I was actually making a comment a couple of days ago, expecting it to be higher, and uh, this proves me wrong. So that's surprising because I wonder who else would get them. Right, I, I just don't see anybody else producing enough to be a a, a good counterparty for all these people who have to buy them. It, it's hard to see on the pricing. And the other um, thing I've, I've noted on these in the past is is the accounting on these, if they're anything like uh, renewable energy credits in, in the energy space, is really bizarre. I mean, that was something when my company that I used to work for was managing earnings, 
like December 20th, I'd say, do you want earnings this year or next? Because we could take basically a whole year's regulatory credits and pump them into one calendar year or the other based on how the earnings for that particular year were looking. So it, I suspect there's some similar sort of uh, wiggle room that, that you know, Tesla and, and these other companies have uh, as far as when it's recognized. Which also I mean, would you... then mean, oh. excuse me, sorry, Faza, which also would then mean they didn't feel the need to stuff it more here, right? Yeah, it, it would. I mean, and I would, that makes sense to me, given the strength of this report overall. I mean, they weren't scraping for pennies to, you know, try to make exactly. the report look a little bit better than, than they not. were. So they didn't need that. And Clearly I think not. the other thing, I'm trying to remember his call, but I think on the Q4 call, uh, Zach Kirkhorn said something to the effect of the, the guiding for like $2 billion in, in credits for the full year. Uh, somewhere in that neighborhood, um, which, you know, you did the math and it was, you know, roughly 500 to 600 million a, a quarter. So um, I'd have to go back and see exactly what he said about that. But that that definitely does surprise me. Emmett, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, what's going through your mind? Did it uh, match your expectations, beat them? Uh, let us know. No, it matches my expectations. No big... Um... No big red flag that I could tell, you know, if the, I feel like if the gross margins were like something closer to what Pierre Farragut was estimating or lower, I'd be like, Ooh, you know, hopefully the stock's not going to take too much of a hit, you know, but I feel like uh, this is kind of a middle of the road, like expectation met um, earnings and the stock is pretty uh, bland after that react after that report it's pretty boring um which is probably a good thing if you're a long-term investor i would say and uh for sure and i'm most interested i hope they get to the question i mean i didn't i didn't submit any questions today so i'm not advocating I'm, we're not supposed to advocate but there's a question about the optimist bot and uh i'm really hoping they get i think it's like number six or seven i hope they get to that question because to me as a longer term investor you know my personal shares and such like that's like the real deal here of getting a huge valuation jump again, you know? So, uh, you know, the FSD, all that stuff is coming to fruition. There's tons of questions about that these days, which is good, but uh, we don't hear a lot of questions being answered, uh, lately from about the optimist bot. So I'm, I hope we get some more clar uh, clarity on that. Maybe in the call, maybe he'll mention, maybe that question will come up. What do you guys think? Any, any thoughts on the optimist bot? I mean, I mean, I'm hoping that they uh, do the post earnings call podcast or whatever, like they mentioned during the shareholder meeting. I think that would answer a lot of our questions and kind of whet our appetite for the people who want to go more technical, deeper. So, yeah. topic. So, yeah. From my standpoint, I, I, you know, we were discussing it briefly on the on the call, but I do think I'm I'm at the point where it's more I want to wait and actually see it in action. I'm trying to lower my expectations as it pertains to things like FSD, Optimus Bot. Uh, these for me are obviously going to be the the great uh, uh, value creation storylines for Tesla long, long term. But for them to actually come to fruition, I'd love for them to actually be demonstrating the technology. So, you know, me getting an update for FSD that's uh, uh, V12 that I'm literally just can conceivably fall asleep and I'll have to worry about it or a, uh, a uh, video of the bot working at the factory, putting something in the car instead of like a demo, which is, I mean, listen, technology is fantastic and it's super exciting. Um, but I think I'm, that's how I'm trying to temper my expectations. Cause I, I'm naturally so excited for the, for the technology, but yeah, that's kind of where my head is at with that. 
Um, I want to know, Emmett, did, did you steal my my haircut? Was, was this intentional? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're my twin now a little bit, although you still got the buff shoulders. <laughs> I know. I got a haircut recently, a little short, you know, maybe it's a little, I think uh, they saw the screenshot of my phone that had your, your portrait on it and they want, thought I wanted to look like that. So they started cutting my hair that way, you know? That's Poor hilarious. judgment. Very yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Real quick, for those that are uh, tuning in, it's uh, 4.56 Eastern. The uh, earnings call will start at 5.30 Eastern time, uh, 4.30 Central, 2.30 Pacific. Um, before the call starts, however, we, we're going to start a tradition. We, we did it last quarter. And Matt, if we can do this every quarter, that would be fantastic. Maybe we can do this in, like, in the next um, a few minutes here. Uh, Matt has a phenomenal impression of Elon Musk and Zachary Kirkhorn, especially Zach. And uh, maybe we can ask uh, Matt some questions and, yes. and see what kind of answers we get. And then we'll compare the answer side by side tomorrow and see how close. Because last quarter, Matt, you got, I mean, you were nailing the answers. I mean, they were, they were perfect. That Not was just a little tone. surprising. I, I, I do think the expectations may be a little too high. I have not done this impression at all since last quarter. So I, I'm I... a little bit worried. I, it might have been a fluke one-time uh, benefit, but we can give it a go. I want to point out a quick uh, correlation causation. You know, ever since Matt started doing that, you know, we've been kind of on a tear here. So <laughs> just saying, if you stop We should now... do it twice as long this time. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do it? Should we do a couple now? Are you feeling up for it, Matt? What do you think to get the, the I mean, crowd warmed up? Not exactly, but you can. I mean, got to jump in with two feet at some point. So all right. Well, I think Emma, you, were you reading the questions last time? Do you want to? Yeah. Do, do you want to yeah. be honest? I was uh, yeah. Martin Vieca. Yes, or uh, not Martin Vieca. Whoever the guy is, I forget that r runs the call and reads the all question. Right. I have say oh, up. Martin. So let me know uh, what question you're looking at. Okay. I'll pull up the questions in tandem. Um, I have say up two here, so let's go to uh, <laughs> let's go to the the, the 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 fifth question down. No, the fourth question down. All right, here we go. This is a Matt. This is a Matt type of uh, <laughs> banter question. <laughs> this is what if someone on our old live streams would ask, I'd be like, uh, "Matt, you take it." <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> and Elon, um, or. <laughs> All right. We have another question here is, could you quantify the benefits to COGS unit from A, IRA battery manufacturing incentives, and B, battery new raw material declines year to date? Uh, yeah, Zach, do you want to you take that one? It's kind of, kind of boring, so do you want to take it? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so... The IRA credits, um, you know, there, there's pretty clear uh, credits in there for the battery pack. So that's, you know, $49 a kilowatt hour, as long as it's manufactured domestically. So that'd be like the 4680 cells. That's going to be the minority of our cells. And again, that's only for US-based manufacturing. Um, for the for the plants, or for the for the products that are coming from Giga Nevada, where you do have the, uh, the L2170 cells, they wouldn't qualify for the full amount, but they still do get the $10 per kilowatt hour pack credit. So you're going to have a little bit of benefit on that side. Um, and so when you, when you do the math, I mean, it, it's, it's meaningfully helpful, although I would say it's not going to really drive the value. What I would encourage people to do, however, is to think about um, as we continue to roll out our U.S. manufacturing base, I mean, we, we announced our Giga Nevada plant that has 
100 gigawatt hours of capacity on top of our um, you know existing lines at, at uh, in Giga Austin, which are going to continue to expand. And so if you if you look at the full $49 per credit, uh, $49 per kilowatt hour credit that we're going to give on the the 100 gigawatt hours of capacity at that plant becomes a really meaningful margin value. So I'd focus less on on the near term and, and really think about what the the medium to longer term uh, benefits are going to be from the IRA on top of uh, the, the benefits from subsidizing demand on the consumer side. So a bit of demand pull forward. That's how I would think about it. Farzad, are you okay? <laughs> and uh, uh, Elon. <laughs> Uh, or maybe maybe this is better for Elon. The next question comes from Brian K. asks, have you considered allowing FSD transferability as a lever to allow existing customers to upgrade to new Tesla instead of being locked in to existing cars due to the price of FSD? Yeah, I, I think there's some misperceptions around the, the practices that we have on, on trade-ins uh, around FSD. We actually do give credit on, on uh, FSD for trade-ins. Um, if I have not yet purchased FSD, but I come in with an offer, uh, I wanna sell my car to get another one, uh, and then I purchase it and then offer that same car in, uh, you're gonna get a higher price from Tesla. So this is this is maybe more of a communication issue on, on our side than, than anything else. So, um, but maybe more importantly, um, <laughs> I would encourage consumers don't sell your car with FSD. Um, if, if you truly believe in this technology, the the value of holding on to that car is just so so much more profound than than trying to sell it and, and upgrade for you know like a slightly better interior, slightly better range to get on, on one of the current cars coming off our line. Um, really, the um, financially optimum decision would be to hold on to that one um, and maybe even buy another one with FSD because the um, uh, the, the step change in 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 in, in value uh, that these these assets are going to un- undersee in a relatively short amount of time, I think, is is going to be quite profound. And so, I think anyone trying to get a slightly better trade in value um, on our vehicles is really missing the forest for the trees on this. So, I think something fell off with my Elon accent there. Went, You're doing good. Up. You're doing good. And we got what we got one more Elon on the say.com before we move on. For to the analysts, um, Michael G asks uh, a little bit further down with the emphasis on price cuts to drive volume growth, eating into automotive gross margin. Can investors expect to see automotive gross margins stabilize or even rise due to efficiencies outpacing the cuts? And if so, when? Yeah, I mean, um, I think one of the things that people don't appreciate is the benefits of manufacturing at scale. Um, this is, I've been saying for many years and people thought I was crazy at the time, but I think the, the truth has been borne out in your sense that manufacturing is going to be Tesla's long-term sustainable advantage. Um, you know, we, when, when things were a little bit uh, crazy the last couple of years, we were posting best in class automotive margins by, I want to say almost double, but, Toyota was doing, um, which Toyota was the gold standard when Tesla was just a young child. Um, so they told us that was the best we could do. And we doubled it uh, and we're not stopping. And, and so this is where the pace of innovation um, is really going to be our long-term sustainable advantage. And, 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 and frankly, something that um, is going to continue to be underestimated, I believe. So um, 
yes, we are continuing to drive down costs. I think we've been very clear on that. Um, and I think you would ignore us when we give you that guidance at, at your own peril. I probably should have practiced because my, my something about my, my accent's been gone. No, those I were think, great. I think the I, I think that's just amazing. It's just amazing. The, the fact <laughs> that you can just time. nail, yeah. It's like you almost tap into his brain and forget the accent. Like it's just it sounds like him. It sounds yeah. like what he's saying. You know, my my favorite part is the I think because <laughs> he does that all oh, the, the time. Break, I think. The break. The break. Yeah, uh, the pause uh, is the best. The stutter. Yeah, I think well, your brain you is you you turn you to pull a switch in your brain where it starts acting in a similar process to Elon for you know producing sentences and thoughts. So it mimics his you know his uh, his stutter and all that stuff. It's just something special there. You know, you gotta we gotta go we gotta <laughs> practice it and get it. Get, you know, every quarter I think we're gonna get it better. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not quite dialed in. I think I think the Kirkhorn one that that's a little bit more natural. I mean, I think more like Zach anyways. <laughs> and his I just think his his voice is hilarious in general. I mean, I, and none of this just to be clear, it's like making fun of them. Obviously, I love these no, guys. No, of course not. Um it's flattery. It's, just, it's flattery, really. It's saying, you know, it's you're flattering them. But, you know, mimicking is flattering, right? Yeah. The, the Zach one I'm feeling a little bit better about at this point. But yeah, maybe maybe next time next quarter I can uh, brush up on it a little bit more. I think I had the South African accent down a little bit more last time when we did this. So I'll let that go. It's all right. We'll forgive you, Matt. Um, we're 25 minutes, 24 minutes away from the earnings call. Uh, maybe we go around the horn and, and get uh, folks' thoughts on what the um, what they expect. Oh, look at this. I sent them the link to see if he would actually join us. And guess what? James Stevenson has joined us today. Whoa. Uh, how's it going? How you doing, wow. James? Yeah, thank you, Farzad, for the link. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Uh, yeah. Let's get your thoughts. What, where's your head at? What are you thinking? I, I think they're pretty good results, right? The stuff that uh, that missed was like regulatory credits and foreign currency exchange impact. And uh, there was a flip. So there was the one FX impact that was negative above the line. And then below the line, there was a favorable impact. So uh, what's going on there? But uh, yeah, I mean, pretty good results. I was it did one of those funny two-step tangos on the uh, stock market after the results came out. People were like, "Oh no, these were bad results." And uh, smarter bots read the earnings release and said, "Oh no, these were pretty good results. Let's buy this." So I guess that happens sometimes. Did it? Uh, uh, but, did it match your expectations? Did it meet your expectations? What you were looking for? <laughs> Yeah, it fell 17 cents short of my expectations. I had a dollar eight uh, non-gap, so 91 cents. Uh, two quarters in a row, I'm 16 or 17 cents high. Uh, and uh, uh, Gary Black, he, uh, you know, you got to take your hat off to him. He's uh, pretty good at uh, dialing in these earnings uh, estimates, but you got to get a little lucky to get real close. Uh, I've been fortunate to get real close before a couple of times, but uh, this quarter was not one of those times. You know, you got big wild cards out there with a foreign currency exchange impact and uh, regulatory credits. The uh, There was no um, uh, one-time tax favorability that I saw that came out uh, this quarter. Uh, like there was the past two quarters. That would have helped because I was forecasting that. Um, What's the other one? It's like four wild cards that come through uh, every time. I'm forgetting one of them. But uh, yeah, 
Good, good results, right? Um, especially given the the deep price cuts, right? You know, you take uh, big price reductions, you expect that the earnings are going to take uh, a little nap for a while. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, under the circumstances, really good results, I thought, from Tesla. And then the people want to know, how's Loki doing? He's great. Loki, come here. Come here, buddy. He is sleeping in bed. Let me okay. turn this camera around because the, the, the um, what people really want to see is Loki. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, we don't definitely want to see this guy. Hang on a second. One second. Yeah. Let me fix this. There we go. There he is. Let's see. Look at Loki. Ooh. What we really need <laughs> is Loki in this stream. Yeah, nice. he's hanging out in his bed, catching some Z's. How old is little Alexandra in the background? Yeah, there's Alexandra right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, normally I have Loki's That's the red jacket, up, right? But uh, I was watching the uh, uh, YouTube stream on my secondary monitor instead of using it for my... Let me turn this around so people can see who's talking. Well, now uh, our stream is complete because now we have Loki. And we also have you, you as well. But Loki definitely, definitely made the stream. So really appreciate you uh, showing us. Yeah, this. well, hey, you know, it's a party. Uh, it's not a party until Loki's at the party, right? That's all right. Let's yeah. uh, let's go around the horn and see. Um, we're going to uh, share our thoughts on the what we're going to uh, expect from the earnings call here. So maybe we'll have you start, James, and we'll go around. So we'll do James. Uh, Nico, Hans, Alexandra. I should do ladies first. You know what? We'll do ladies first and go the other way. So we'll do Alexandra, Emmett. I know. I just can't ignore how beautiful Aww. you look. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> you're putting us all to shame. You know, this was the this was the jacket with the button to sew. Did you see that on Sunday? The whole thing with oh yeah, you did because you jumped on on that conversation when uh, Stephen Mark Ryan. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Was that cute? Of course. This is all. This is all. So cute. What do do I expect? What do I really look forward to? Is the announcement of uh, the Cybertruck delivery event the announcement when we have those prices? I don't think they will. um, They will give us the prices today, but they will tell us by when we should expect getting the specs and the prices. For that's really for me the the most important. I don't think they're going to give us much more information on AI. I think there will be a a third AI day coming in the second half of this year. So maybe they will refer to that and, and make that illusion, but I don't think we'll have many more uh, details on products. It's more a question on, on dates. I do pray to God, sorry for those that are really religious and don't don't appreciate when I do these comments, but I do really pray to God. He's not giving us much more macroeconomics because I really feel that Elon is too pessimist when when it comes to that and it's overhype and whatever i just think he should stay out of all that you know these numbers actually show how good they are no matter the economic um environment so i really hope um i really hope that we're not getting into these uh uh fed discussions and high interest rate whatever i really hope we get, we're staying off those and moving on now um yeah that's about it for me uh let's go on. yeah so I kind of uh, am hoping, I think the big uh, thing we all want to know is the cyber, like Alexander saying, the cyber truck delivery. I think we'll nail down like a month or two month range. And he might be like, oh, we'll probably do it in October, November, which probably means like November or something. I'm, I'm thinking it'll be the four year anniversary of the unveiling, but um, it'd be it'd be great to kind of nail down a, a tighter window of when they're going to actually have those deliveries that we can all get excited about, you know? Um, but other than that, I think it feels a lot like Groundhog Day compared to the last couple of earnings reports, just like 
everyone asking the same questions. How's 4680s doing? What's FSD update? What's, you know, um, it would be cool if one of the analysts, uh, you know, I don't see it in say.com, but if maybe one of the, the, the institutional analysts, when they take those questions, asks them if they anticipate further price cuts and maybe throws in there like, or have you seen any measurable success with the experimental advertising? You know, I would love to hear feedback on that from them because they should have some kind of results on whether it's just the Google ads or whatever they've done, they should see some kind of result from it already. And I'd love to just hear what that is. If, if there's any positive result, um, that'd be an interesting data point. So we can kind of anticipate if further price cuts are needed or if they're going to try some other advertising perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I'd actually love to hear anything else that they, they can share on the AI strategy and, and breakthroughs that they've had. Um, I mean, this is, this is one of the main reasons that I went all in on Tesla, you know, five years ago was like, I saw, I saw the vision of like AI and how that could really change the company. And now all of a sudden that's like this, the topic du jour where the market's going to finally give credit to companies that are good at real world AI. And I think but even then, I, I feel like the, the advantage that the Tesla has and, and um, what exactly they're doing, that's so much more different um, is, is hard for a lot of analysts to like plug into their models. So anything they can do to, um, Kind of share like, like why this is such a real opportunity or what's different this time i think would be helpful but at the same time if it doesn't happen i don't mind that either because as a long-term holder it's um you know, mispricing that opportunity is good news for me too james wow uh the thing that i forgot to mention was from page 10 in the earnings release uh in the profit section what's the last three words I've never seen them before in a Tesla earnings release. I'll read you the whole thing. While we continue to execute on innovations to reduce Good the cost fine. of manufacturing and operations over time, we expect our hardware-related profits to be accompanied by an acceleration of AI, software, and fleet-based profits. You guys ever seen that before? Yeah, fleet-based profits. So that's Outlook. Uh, the outlook is that there are going to be fleet-based profits. Um, we, we've heard Elon say every year for a long, long time that uh, FSD is going to be ready by the end of the year. Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, maybe they're finally on to uh, an approach that's going to show rapid uh, feature improvement. And uh, we'll be testing out uh, fleet-based profit opportunities soon. I think that's a really great catch in fleet-based profits. I also agree. I I am I uh, infer that it to mean FSD like fleets, but could it also mean something else potentially? Like, could it mean like selling fleets of vehicles to Hertz or something? Do you think, or is it pretty much? Does everyone pretty much agree that it means, you know, it's like FSD-related fleets? I think there are a couple of options for that. One of them is fleet monitoring. And so if they are actually rolling out some software on the back end for someone like Hertz, or, you know, we also have the semi sales as well to Frito-Lay, um, that there could be other services that they're providing to fleet managers. Um, and then there's also insurance. So if they're doing some sort of an insurance product for fleet owners, uh, that's a, another option as well. 
Yeah, great input, Hans. Any, anyone else have any thoughts? I mean, yeah, there's the, lots of options with the fleet word, I feel like, you know. I, I was going to actually comment that, you know, fleet is actually a, a term used on the energy side of the business as well to kind of refer to the uh, like cumulative, like deployed base of assets. So like a generation fleet is all the power plants that a company owns. Um, but you could easily think of like what Tesla has with selling, you know, not only mega packs, but power walls and all these other things that can be stitched together into a VPP. And you can get some services based revenue on that and kind of get fleet based profits by stitching together all these assets that you got out in the real world. And I think you could also think of the automotive side in a very similar vein where, yeah, like you can obviously sell FSD and get like robo taxi revenues, but you're also starting to get more services revenue in a pretty meaningful way, just like with, with more charging and, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I would think of it more as like the cumulative deployed fleet of hardware that you've got out there on both energy and uh, auto, you can start monetizing those in, in new ways as well. All right. So we have a tremendous need for clarity on this M, uh, ambiguity. There's uh, a lot of different things fleet can mean. So let's uh, hope we get some uh, further detail and color on that during the it would be great if one of the if some of the institutional analysts are smart enough to follow uh, the re I'm sure some of them are smart enough to follow the retail analysts, but are are plugged into this uh, live stream and got this incredible clue from you, James, and can now yeah. insert and that question. question into their their Q and A. True. And if it's not Farzat, how about you do a tweet afterwards, as we know he's reading yours. Done. I already go. wrote it. I'm just waiting to hit send. You'll have your I views. Just... You'll have your income. Yeah. You'll have your everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, James, was there something specific you're looking for on the call? Or was that was that kind of what you're looking for? Uh, that was my so, thing. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to hear him talk about the fleet-based profits. I mean, Outlook is the uh, important stuff, right? Um, the, the frustrating thing is to hear people ask the same questions we've heard answered every quarter. And then we get the same answer we got last quarter. We're like, well, that was a waste of a minute. <laughs> we we could have had some new question get yeah. asked and heard some new answer we've never heard before. That would have been better. Um, from my end, and I'll throw it to you, Nico, since we're, we're going around the horn here. So um, Cybertruck, I, I think if there's any additional color on Cybertruck would be something that I'm looking for, uh, for sure. After looking at those pictures and some of the conversations we've had on this call, uh, maybe I need to temper my expectations on that a little bit. Perhaps we won't get much, but I do think there's still something to be said about all the the ramp up of excitement and uh, sort of all the things we're seeing with that car. I think there's something there. Uh, after James spotted that verbiage, that's something that's super, super uh, interesting to me now. And the fact that they have a pencil to paper now on uh, fleet-based profits, then there has to be something there. Uh, so those are my things. And um yeah, we'll see how it goes. I do have a concern, like some of you have shared, that it will be a sort of a repetitive call. But I'm hoping that Elon, you know, will just take it off the cuff and just start doing Elon things, and then we'll start going down rabbit holes we didn't even know existed, like he likes to do. So, um, Nico, and then I'm, uh, I'm just going to fart on Zuck, and that's how I'm going to win the battle. Okay, we need some new mannerisms from Elon that Matt can chime in on next time. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Nico, go for it. Um, yeah, so I guess I, I would love to hear everything you guys have said so far, so I won't repeat those. Uh, I guess three things for me. One, it'll be just interesting to hear how many times they talk about AI. Um, I think we'll hear that a lot. I feel like that's a trend on every earnings call these days. Um, I would also like to get 
you know, we talked about time window for Cybertruck deliveries. I would like to see a time window for the next AI day. I think personally, I think that's more important for me. Um, that's, that's what I want to see. And then I hope one of the, one of the uh, institutional investors picks up on the various part with the next generation vehicle. And they ask, does that mean that you're starting that in Giga Austin now? Or what does that mean with the various? Does that mean future plants? Or are you already working on that now in Austin? Because I think that has huge implications that if they're working on that line now, if they're working on ironing out the kinks now in Austin on the unboxing method, then come the build of Giga Mexico, they could potentially get to, you know, to actually just work on production a lot faster. So I think I think that various really leads to a whole bunch of different potential questions. Um, yeah, I would echo, you know, a lot of them, especially the AI, anything related to the dojo actually running production workloads. That was one of the ones that I mentioned earlier that I still want to want to hear more about that. Um, I did notice that in the deck that they uh, continued, they put a chart up there for cumulative FSD miles, and it was over 300 million. Um, so I'd love to hear any color on that if that's continuing to accelerate. And um, yeah, I would love to hear if we get AI. I think AI Day 3 is something that we pretty much all of the things that they've kind of been hinting at us recently lead us to believe that there has to be a major AI day three presentation here in the near term future. And it, it deserves a lot of attention. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that we'll get a little teaser on Optimus again, hopefully, uh, you know, a little short video and, uh, I think those are, those are the main things. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us thus far. Between all the streams, we're over 5,000 people watching. This is it's great. Crazy. I just want to add one thing, make everybody happy. Kristen is back on, on Twitter. This worked. Yeah. Awesome. And, and the other thing is because I saw a comment, somebody telling me I touched too much my hair. That's because James is here. Because when James, I mean, all the other guys I have no problem because I'm winning the game. But there comes James. And then I have to make sure. Uh, you see, there he does it again. Oh, he's a spokesperson for L'Oreal. I know, you know? Thank you, James. <laughs> Stop doing putting shade on me. <laughs> I love uh, you. <laughs> I had to tie it back today. It is hot. Oh, and there he goes. Oh my gosh. So. Okay, you can take me off now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, um, something else, just real yeah. quick, uh, just to ramble off what Hans was saying. I. It would be awesome to see them give us color on why they're actually going to production now with Dojo. Because in the past, Elon has been very clear that when the team says they want to use Dojo or when Dojo outstrips the NVIDIA clusters, that that's when they'll make the cutover. So I'd be curious to know if they're doing the cutover now because there's just not enough uh, capacity and compute or if it's because Dojo is outstripping. If they are outstripping, stripping, is it on a a per compute operation is it on a pricing perspective or what that looks like because again just thinking longer term that has big implications for a as a service offering so that would be really interesting i don't think anyone's really or they haven't really divulged that much about why now is the time to to incorporate dojo 
Yeah, they haven't really given us that information yet. I know that um, I actually was able to interact with Naveen Rao of um, Mosaic ML recently, and he had a great stream with uh, Galley from Hyperchange about a year and some change ago, where he was saying that, you know, one of the real challenges for Dojo is getting their internal software to divide up a massive training job across all of the separate Dojo chips evenly. Um, so it's essentially their internal equivalent to CUDA. Uh, that getting that built and operational is going to be one of the real challenges um, that goes above and beyond what they've done with the hardware of the chip. And they so far have given us also zero information on that. And so it could be that when Elon is saying, hey, we've got this up and running on a production workload, that could literally just be saying, hey, we finally have been able to complete our first test run of that in-house equivalent of CUDA that actually, you know, is kind of the um the operating system of Dojo. So uh yeah, I I doubt that the team is using Dojo in a huge way right now and that it's really outperforming NVIDIA chips. I know that there will probably be a lot of people who disagree with me on that, but um, I think based on how long this development has taken, um, that you know, they're probably being a little bit on the optimistic side. You're trying to give us some good news, and uh, it's still probably not quite there yet. Okay, we are about four minutes away from the call going live. We will be sharing the call on the stream as well. So do stick with us if you'd like. Uh, you can also go to Tesla's channel to, to listen to it. You can go to Twitter to listen to it. You can go to other people's streams to listen to it. Uh, but it is about to go live. I wanna make sure I have it shared properly. I'd like to do a quick test. Uh, let me know if you guys can hear the audio from the thing. Can you guys hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. You guys can hear it as well, right? Okay, perfect. It works. So we're nice and staged. Uh, so I'm gonna put this a little, a little bit louder. Maybe right here. Put it right there. Okay. And then that way, uh, once they go live, we can hear it. So, cool. Uh, four minutes away. Uh, let me let me get to some of these super chats here. Thank you all so much for your generous uh, super chats. I already showed this one. Uh, $10 for Matt's use of Profound during his incredible impersonations. Well done, Matt. You are a beast. Uh, short Tesla, Elon, Elon fired my wife from Twitter. <laughs> well, sorry that happened. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, maybe shouldn't be. Yeah, anyway, I, I won't make a joke. Uh, sorry that happened. Reginald Bailey, $10. Please send J James half uh, of this and let him know his charts are otherworldly. Appreciate all you do. I can just send them. I can send them the whole thing. Thank you, James. Oh, Your charts are otherworldly. They're free. You're very, free very amazing. kind, Reginald Bailey. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, cool. Any last thoughts before we share the uh, the call? Anything? Anything? Do you have to drink every time you hear AI? Oh god. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Maybe I should go get Every a... Every time Actually, Elon yeah, says order of magnitude, you have to take another sip of your Elon Musk drink. <laughs> Anybody prepare a bingo card? I was just thinking that, Alexandra. So what goes on there? Like profound order of Isn't magnitude? Isn't it crazy? 
Isn't yeah. it crazy? You always think what I think. I think we're connected, right? All our kids, all our life. I know. We got the accounting interest. I know. I just don't have the hair. The the free space on the bingo cards is uh. Just uh. <laughs> oh, the pause. Real quick, uh, I do want to let you guys know. Uh, yeah, James is totally the, the go-to guy for charts. Uh, Herbert, um, unfortunately, wasn't feeling well, and he wasn't able to make the stream. Uh, you should still be able to view this on his stream. He was supposed to be on, but unfortunately, he's dealing with a little bit of illness, but he seems to be doing okay. If he's able to come on, he'll come on. If not, uh, send him your, your thoughts, and uh, hopefully he'll be well very soon. I don't think it's anything too serious, but uh, yeah, he just needs to rest up a little bit. So, it's, it's, Herbert, it's if you're watching this, yeah. rest up, drink your water. and uh, Exactly. We got you covered. Lemon juice, I told him just now. So let's see what happens. I'm going to jump off. I'll be back later if uh, if I have the time, okay? Sounds good. Thank you, Alexandra. You're good. Love it. Bye-bye. Take Thank care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. One minute away from the call. Thank you all so much again for, for joining us. A little bit over 5,000 viewers across all platforms. We have James Stevenson uh, at I cannot underscore enough, which is one of the greatest Twitter handles of all time. We have Nico from Investing Against the Grain. We got Matt Smith from Rebellionaire.com. Uh, his new venture after he backstabbed Emmett in the back. Uh, we have Emmett Peppers from Good Soil, and we have Hans at Hans C. Nelson. Uh, great panel, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, there's other awesome creators as well on YouTube making a bunch of content, so I highly encourage you to go check out their content as well. We've got Rob, we got Dave, we've got uh, My Tesla Weekend. We have a bunch of different people creating awesome content james everybody out there so make sure you you go support every single one of them uh matt as you're off mute go for it i, I just want to give a shout out to hans for the full flow stage combustion cycle i think is that an everyday astronaut t-shirt uh I, that is one of the best videos i've ever seen on youtube it's so good it just like really gives an idea of how hard building that engine was and why you know the spacex culture is just so impressive He's got some of the best merch out there. Uh, what's what's his name? Uh, um, uh, Tim Dodd. Tim Tim yeah. Some of the best merch. Okay, I think we're live. Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe not. I thought we were. Since you mentioned my handle, I'll just say very quickly, uh, Holmar's blog and I both were a little bit too clever in our choice of Twitter handles. So everybody who went straight forward, that was the right move. Most people will not get your clever pun. <laughs> yeah who knew that it would stick with you for life right yeah i think i was like responding to you for like two years before i finally realized what it was what can you not enough james i just i, I pictured it as i just cannot enough just like an exasperated that's what i thought it was yeah and i thought that was pretty People. good and then when it clicked yeah, I would say most people don't know what underscore means. Yeah. Or or that that little line at the bottom is called an underscore. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Tesla Second Quarter 2023 Q&A webcast. My name is Martin Vieca, VP of Investor Relations, and I'm joined today by Elon Musk, Zachary Kirkhorn, and a number of other executives. Our Q2 results were announced at about 3 p.m. Central Time in the update deck we publish at the same link as this webcast. During this call, we will discuss our business outlook and make forward-looking statements. These comments are based on our predictions and expectations as of today. 
Actual events or results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. During the question and answer portion of today's call, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please use the raise hand button to join the question queue. But before we jump into the Q&A, Elon has some opening remarks. Elon? Uh, thank you, Martin. So just a Q2 recap. In Q2, we achieved record vehicle production and deliveries and record revenue of about $25 billion in a single quarter. And Model Y became the best-selling vehicle of any kind uh, globally in Q1, surpassing the likes of, likes of Corolla uh, and Gold. So it was the number one vehicle of any kind, including vehicles uh, that are at a seller far lower price. This is, I think, an incredible achievement by the Tesla team and just a, a huge thank you to our customers uh, for, for their support. Um, so, and, and this, is, this came in spite of high interest rates um, and a lot of macro uncertainty. Um, and nonetheless, uh, we managed to achieve operating margin of about 10%. Um, we continue to uh, target uh, 1.8 million vehicle deliveries this year. Um, although we expect that Q3 uh, production uh, will be a little bit down because we've got uh, summer shutdowns to for a, a lot of factory upgrades. Uh, so, um, just just probably a slight decrease in production in Q3 um, for sort of global uh, factory upgrades. Um, in the long term, uh, autonomy we think is going to just drive volume through the ceiling next level, um, and uh, and our sort of future robo taxi uh, products, um, the dedicated robo taxi products, uh, we think have. Like quasi infinite demand, um, so uh, and uh, we're, we're, the, way, the way we're going to manufacture um, the robot taxi is is also itself a revolution. And so it's revolutionary design made in a revolutionary way. It'll be by by far the highest uh, units per hour of, of any vehicle production ever. Um, so. Very excited about that. Um, with respect to autopilot and dojo, in order to build autonomy, we also need to train our neural net with uh, data from uh, millions of vehicles. Uh, the more, I mean, th this has been proven over and over again. The more training data you have, the better the results. Um, and um, I mean, there are times where we see basically uh, in a neural net, uh, basically it, it, it's sort of at a million training examples. It barely works at two million. It's it slightly works at three million. It's like wow, okay, we're seeing something. But then you get to like ten million training examples. It's it's like it becomes incredible. Um, so uh, you just there's just there's just no substitute for a massive amount of data. Uh, and obviously Tesla has more vehicles on the road um, that, that are collecting this data than all of the companies combined by I think maybe even an order of magnitude. So I think we might we might have 90% of all, or a very big number. Um, so uh, you know the success in AI endeavors is a function of talent, uh, uh, sort of unique data and uh, computing resources, um, and and we um, have outstanding capabilities in all, all three arenas. Um, 
and I really just don't know how anyone, anyone could, could do what we're doing, even if they had our software and had our computer, if they did not have the, the, the training data. So um, speaking of which, our, our Dojo training computer is designed to significantly reduce the cost of neural net training. Um, it, it is designed to, it, it's, it's, it's somewhat optimized for the kind of training that we need, which is a video training. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we just see that the, the need for neural net training, again, talking about being a quasi-infinite things, uh, is is just enormous. Um, so, uh, I think having having we 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 expect to use both Nvidia and Dojo. To be clear, um, uh, but there's there's um, we we just see a demand for really uh, vast training resources. Um, and uh, we, we think we may reach in-house neural net neural net training capability of uh, 100 exaflops by the end of next year. So, um, to, to date, uh, over 300 million miles have been driven using FSD beta. Uh, that 300 million mile number is going to seem very small very quickly. Very, very uh, it'll, it'll soon be billions of miles, then tens of billions of miles. Um, and um, FSD will, will go from being better, from being as good as a human to then being vastly better than a human. We, we see a clear path to uh, full self-driving being uh, 10 times uh, safer than the average human driver. So, um, and between autopilot, our Dojo computer, um, our uh, inference hardware in the car, which we call sort of hardware three, four, you know, but it's really dedicated. It's a, it's a, it's a high efficiency inference computer that's in the car uh, and our Optimus robot. Um, Tesla is clearly at the cutting edge of uh, AI development. Uh, to, uh, with regard to our Cybertruck, we continue to build uh, release candidates of the Cybertruck um, on our final production line in Austin. I'm, I'm actually here in Austin at the Gigafactory. Um, this is the first truck that we're aware of that will have four doors was over a six foot bed and will fit into a 20 foot garage. So it's it's a it's sort of biggest on the outside, but it's even bigger on the inside. So it's a, I think that's a one of the, one of the elements of good design is it should feel bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside. Um, and and this is this is no small car, but we 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 really cared about the exterior dimensions of the Cybertruck down to the last millimeter. Um, so it's, it's, it's just we trying to get right in the middle of the Goldilocks zone. Not too big, not too small, um, and and then really maximize the, the utility of the volume. And uh, we can't uh, wait to start uh, delivering it later this year. Some uh, some other highlights: our global supercharging network uh, now stands at over fifty thousand, roughly roughly fifty thousand connectors, and over five thousand locations. Um, as I think a lot of people are aware, um, uh, the Tesla starting the, the Tesla charging standard, uh, which we made open source, and is now called the North American Charging Standard. Uh, we're, we're deeply honored that uh, Ford, GM, Mercedes, uh, and many other OEMs uh, ha have signed up to uh, use our connector uh, and gain access to our charging network. Um, uh, yeah, we, we, we strongly believe in helping um, uh, other, other car companies to uh, accelerate the EV revolution and um, just trying to do the right thing in general. So that's our goal there. Um, 
um, then um, something I think I, I, I want to emphasize uh, like very, very strongly, this is a very important point, um, is that um, Tesla, uh, just as with the, the North American charging standard, although we're not licensing, in that case, not licensing, we're just making it available, <laughs> but, but we are um, very open to licensing our full self-driving software and hardware to other car companies. Um, and we are already in discussions with uh, early, dis early discussions with uh, a major OEM uh, about using the Tesla FSD. Um, so uh, we're, we're not trying to keep this to ourselves. We're more than happy to, to license it to others. Uh, and lastly, our new lithium refinery and cathode facility are progressing well. Um, uh, then in conclusion, uh, we continue to focus on making as many cars as we can uh, while maintaining healthy financials. Our artificial intelligence development is obviously entering a new era uh, and um, we're incredibly excited about what's to come. Our other businesses such as Megapack, supercharging, service and whatnot all started to become a, a meaningful contributor to overall profitability uh, this quarter. Um, and uh, then lastly, I'd just like to uh, Profusely thank all of our, our employees for making it a lot of extra effort during uncertain times. Uh, thank you very much for your hard work and the impact you're making. Thank you very much, Elon. And I think Zach has some opening remarks as well. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Um, as Elon mentioned, Q2 was another record quarter of production and deliveries, as well as records and profit for energy and services and other businesses. Congratulations again to the Tesla team on the continued progress. As we navigate through a period of economic uncertainty, rising interest rates, volatility in consumer confidence and regulatory change, I wanna comment on our financial approach. First, the single most important priority is to ensure we are continuing to invest heavily in the core technologies that will drive the long-term value of the business. This include increasing spending on AI-related technologies, such as full self-driving, Optimus, and Dojo, as well as new products such as Cybertruck, our next-generation platform, and the Semi as evidenced by the continued growth in our R&D spend. This also includes continuing our investments in capacity expansion, not only in our vehicle factories, but also our supercharging network, service, internal applications, and battery processes, as we continue with meaningful capital expenditures to lay this foundation for the future. Second, we continue to work towards our goals of maximizing volumes on both our vehicle and energy business, but most importantly, doing so in a way that generates the capital to continue our pace of R&D and capital investments. This requires a strong focus on per unit COGS reductions in each of our key businesses, as well as working capital improvements on raw materials, work in process inventory and customer AR, all of which progressed appropriately in Q2. If we look specifically at our automotive business, our gross margin showed a modest reduction and remained healthy, despite action taken to further improve vehicle affordability early in the quarter. We recognize, we realize per unit cost improvements in nearly every category, including material cost and commodities, manufacturing costs and logistics, while also continuing to rapidly increase the build rate in our Austin and Berlin factories. For our energy business, we improved margins and gross profit driven by cost reductions in deal economics, particularly with Megapack. As a reminder, storage volumes are typically volatile sequentially based on the types of projects and their specific revenue recognition milestones. As we look forward to the rest of the year, I want to reiterate Elon's comments on Q3 volumes driven by planned downtimes for factory upgrades. 
These upgrades will also carry some amount of factor idle cost. How, however, we are working to minimize as much as possible. It's also important to keep in mind the uncertainty in the macro environment, which can impact our execution positively or negatively in the near term. Regardless, we continue to remain dynamic with a focus on fundamental efficiency and a long-term outlook. Congratulations again to everybody on a great quarter. Thank you very much, Zach. Um, and let's go to investor questions. Uh, the, fir the first question on licensing FSD, we we've already answered. So let's go to the second one. The second question is, what is the status of 4680 cells? Uh, how far are uh, you from the specs you laid out on battery day? When do you expect to achieve what you laid out on battery day? <clears throat> yeah, first I'll just start with a little bit of a production update. So in Texas, 4680 cell production increased uh, 80% Q2 over Q1, and the team surpassed 10 million production cells produced uh, here in Texas. So congrats to the team for that. Their focus on yield reduced our scrap bill by 40% quarter over quarter, and that res resulted in a 25% reduction in cell COGS. Um, here in Texas, we're preparing to launch our Cybertruck cell, which is 10% higher energy density than current production. Uh, that was accomplished through process and mechanical design optimization. As we scale cyber cell production through the end of the year and early next, we should be in a com comfortable place on cost per cell. Um, against our battery energy density targets, the cyber cell is at our expectations on a like-for-like -like electrochemistry basis. We're yet to integrate uh, silicon or uh, in-house cathode production, both reviewed on battery day, which do bring significant further energy density and cost improvements, but that is a topic for another day. Um, lastly, it is important to remember that most of what we focused on at battery day was the Tesla engineered 4680 production system and the improvements we strove to achieve on equipment, factory density, capital cost, and utility cost reduction, all of which we are realizing in our Texas scale up to date. Thank you very much. Uh, the next question is, uh, can you talk more to the upcoming Tesla energy products and how you, uh, your thinking has evolved on the revenue model? Given Tesla's AI capabilities, how do you see the long-term mix between hardware margin and recurring software margin from auto bidder uh, as this segment accelerates? We can't comment on future product roadmap, but I can provide a quick energy Q2 update. Uh, Megapack continues to show strong demand globally with Lathrop ramping successfully to meet our contracted projects in 2023. As stated last quarter, Megapack margins are in a reasonable place in line with our target market, um, vehicle target margins. The second final assembly line at Lathrop is progressing on schedule, eventually doubling Lathrop capacity ahead of our full factory ramp uh, in 2024. We have several exciting large projects in construction or nearing completion, including the KES project in Hawaii, the Riverina project in Australia, several projects in California, and one here at Gigafactory Texas that I toured today, actually. We want to thank our customers, utilities, and grid operators for trusting us with these projects. On the autobidder question, we continue to grow autobidder contracts in wholesale markets like Australia, Texas, UK, and California with over six gigawatt hours under Tesla's dispatch um, next year. Uh, in the UK, our project performed best in the industry in Q2. Autobidder does have software margins and is an enabler for hardware sales, but it's a relatively small contributor to revenues given how much deployment growth on the Megapack hardware side is occurring. It's important to remember that these large projects, these large capital projects have lifetimes of 20 years, so recurring revenues on an annualized basis relative to upfront capex are small. On the residential side, we have some fun things happening. We recently surpassed a half million power walls installed. Uh, just this week, we were launching Charge on Solar, which allows Tesla Powerwall and vehicle customers to charge their vehicles using their excess solar and drive only on the sunshine that, that hits their roof. 
Yesterday, we began paying customers in Texas for participating in our virtual power plant to provide grid support to ERCOT. Uh, we expect these credits to lower our median customer's annual bill by a third and to increase these credits over time as ERCOT expands market access. And today we are expanding Tesla electric enrollment to new Model 3 owners in Texas, followed by all Texas vehicle customers over the rest of the quarter. Unfortunately, and somewhat similar to Tesla insurance, bringing Tesla electric and VPP capabilities to our customers requires working through a fractured regulatory environment on a jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis. In the long run, the value of residential energy software and hardware will be driven by the level of market access that utilities, market operators, and regulators permit. Where Powerwall is eligible to provide the full stack of energy services, uh, like peaker, peaker capacity and system buffering, such as in Australia, we can more than double the value of ownership relative to a typical system today. Thank you very much. Uh, the next question is, could you quantify the benefits to COGS per unit from the IRA battery manufacturing incentives? And secondly, battery raw material declines year to date. All right, I can take that. Um, on the first part of the question for IRA manufacturing incentives, uh, we provided previous guidance that we expect these to be for the course of this year in the range of 150 million to 250 million per quarter. Uh, we are uh, staying within that boundary as we guided previously, so that was the case in Q2 as well. Um, I will note, and I think we've mentioned this before, that um, this includes a 50-50 sharing of credits for qualified cells um, from our, our long-term battery partner, Panasonic. On the commodity side, uh, we are continuing to see improvements there, as we've discussed previously. Lithium is the most notable improvement uh, so far. Uh, I, I think I commented on this on the last call um, because typically we see this coming about a quarter before it actually is realized in our financials. Um, and also just as a reminder, we're not fully exposed to the price of lithium. Our supply chain team has done a terrific job in partnership with another, a bunch of other companies to put in place uh, some long-term agreements here, but we do have some exposure um, that moves up and down. We're also seeing benefits in aluminum and steel, which I think is great. Uh, not as large as the lithium impacts, but uh, they contribute nonetheless. So if we add up the total impact of this in Q2 relative to prior quarter, it's about the same size and magnitude as the IRA benefits that we also received. Um, you know, just to put this in context, um, you know, as, as you look at COGS per unit sequentially from Q1 to Q2, I think there's, there's two things to keep in mind there. The first is that our SX mix uh, and, and for deliveries increased quite a bit from Q1 to Q2. So as you think about fundamental cost reductions, uh, it's important to adjust for that. And then secondly, you know, as we continue to work on reducing our Austin and Berlin costs, which uh, we did quite a bit of that from Q1 to Q2, you know, these factories are still uh, slightly above Model Y production costs elsewhere. And in the quarter, our mix of Austin and Berlin related builds increased. And so um, that's something to consider as you model out the impact on from Q1 to Q2 in terms of COGS per unit. Um, I, I do want to ask Karin if there's anything else on the commodity side or just more generally you want to add here. Yeah, as you mentioned, Zach, we, we've naturally been a little bit hedged from the lithium position because the, the long-term contracts we have in place. But we have seen reduction in pricing uh, across the board for all commodities that uh, specifically go into batteries, such as nickel, cobalt, and, and, and graphite. And the reductions in pricing translate into thousands of dollars when you look at it uh, from a uh, per vehicle impact. Uh, we're taking advantage to extend some of those fixed price contracts 
uh, through the end of the decade. Uh, so it's a playbook that we'll continue to kind of go back to um, as we look to the future. Thank you. Uh, the next question on FSD. Um, have you considered allowing FSD transferability as a lever to allow existing customers to upgrade to a new Tesla instead of being locked into an existing car due to the, the price of FSD? Uh, yeah, this is a question we get asked a lot. Um, so um, we're excited to announce that uh, for Q3, we will be allowing transfer of FSD. Um, <laughs> this is a one-time amnesty. <laughs> so um, uh, it needs to be you need to take advantage of it in Q3, but um, or at least place the order in Q3 with, within with, within reasonable delivery timeframes. Um, so um, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I hope this makes people happy. But <laughs> 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 we're not going to do this is one time thing. <laughs> okay. Right. The next question: When will you, uh, when will we uh, give more information about the Cybertruck orders? Estimated delivery schedules, pricing, and specifications. Um, the demand is is so, is so far off the hook you can't even see the hook. Um, so that's really not an issue. Uh, I do want to emphasize that the Cybertruck uh, has a lot of new technology in it, like a lot. Um, it doesn't look like <laughs> it doesn't look like you know any other vehicle because it is not like any other vehicle. Uh, so um, at the, and the production ramp will move as fast as the slowest and least lucky elements of the of the entire supply chain and uh, an internal production so um you know i, I wouldn't expect you know it, it i i hope it's smooth you know we're certainly better at production ramps than, than we, we, we you know we've, we've got a lot of experience with production ramps but you know it, first order to first order approximation is there's like ten thousand unique parts and processes in um in a you know, in the Cybertruck, and if any one of them, it'll go as fast as the least lucky, you know, least well-executed element of the 10,000. So um, always very difficult to predict the, the ramp initially, but um, I think we'll, we'll be making them in high volume uh, next year, um, and we will be uh, delivering the, the, the car this year. Thank you. The next question is, critics of gigacasting uh, contended that process makes vehicles harder and more costly to repair, essentially pushing costs onto the customer. Can you share some details about the initial repair experience with gigacast vehicles? That, that must be why everyone's copying us. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks, Elon. This is Lars. Um, and Martin, that, that's like simply not true. There's a misconception that traditional bodies are easy to repair, but they're made of multiple materials and multiple joining methods. Spot wells and rivets have to be drilled out. Panels and structural adhesive have to be chiseled out. Dried adhesive has to be removed. Stamping's yeah. cut, blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a crazy patchwork quilt. Yeah. And so putting that back together means time and money. Um, using an example of replacing a rear cast rail on a Model Y um, to do that versus like what we replaced it with from the Model 3, it's 10, 10 times uh, cheaper and three times faster to do it with the cast rail. My design team works with our collision repair team since we're closed loop on this um, with insurance and we design specific parts that are make it easier and faster to repair. And we have an incentive to do that because we have our own insurance and our own body shops. Um, we expect that we'll continue to do this and collision repair will continue to become cheaper and faster over time. And we already make this available to all body shops through our Tesla approved uh, body shop training. Yeah, closing loop on collision repair uh, factoring that into design is, is a big deal. It's crucial. Uh, I don't think anyone else can do it with that ecosystem that we have. So. Yeah, and, and we are actually able to change the details of the casting 
with inserts, um, and, and we actually do do that all the time. Um, so, because the, the inserts actually wear out and uh, need to be replaced uh, anyway, so we can actually make design changes to the inserts and tweak the castings. To, um, but the, the the cast, you know, basically cast uh, rear rear body or front body uh, is lighter, cheaper, uh, better for uh, noise vibration or harshness, much easier to manufacture, and it's better, it's better in every way. Um, and that's why so many other car companies are copying us. Is probably they don't know they should, well, they certainly put out a lot of press mm -hmm. releases about mm -hmm. it. Um, I think it's basically going to be how all cars are made in the future. Thank you. Uh, next question. How many Optimus bots uh, have been made, and when will they be able to start performing useful tasks? 10 million. Yeah, I think I think we're around five or six. But it's like, you know, there's an, we're, we're like 10, I guess. Yeah. Which depends on which, how many are working in what phase. But um, it's a, it's sort of, you know, yeah, um, like there's, there's more, more every month. Um, the, there's a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting things about the Optimus bot. Um, uh, we found that there are actually no suppliers that can produce the actuators. Uh, th there's no, there, there are no off-the-shelf actuators that work well for a human robot um, at any price. Certainly uh, not compelling human robot. Yes, not not a not a human robot that can do stuff that you know the things that a human could do. Um, so we've actually had to design um, our own actuators uh, that uh, integrate the motor, the power electronics, the controller. Um, the sensors, and um, really every one of them is custom design. Um, so, uh, and then of course we'll be using the, the same uh, inference hardware as the car. Uh, so, uh, you know, and but, but we're, we are in designing these actuators, uh, designing them for volume production. So they're not just lighter, tighter, more and more capable than any any other actuators we have that that were aware of that exist in the world. Uh, it's also actually um, manufacturable, um, so we, we'll, we should be able to make them in volume. Um, the the first uh, Optimus that is that will have all of the Tesla designed uh, actuators, sort of production candidate actuators, um, it integrated and, and and working should be around November ish. Um, so. Uh, and then we'll 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 start ra ramping up after that. Um, you know, in terms of when we'll be able to do some useful things, we'll, we'll, like we'll first be trying this out in our own factories and just proving out its utility. But I, I think I think we'll be able to have it do something useful in our factories sometime next year. Um, I, I would be, yeah, I'm pretty pretty confident of that. Um, so, yeah, and it's going well. Uh, I should say another cool thing about Optimus is that, you know, there's just in the US alone, there are 2 million amputees. Um, and um, I was just talking to the Neuralink team, and um, by combining a Neuralink uh, implant uh, and a robotic arm or leg, 
for someone that has has had their arms arm or leg or all arms and legs amputated we believe we can give um basically a cyborg body that is uh, incredibly capable um six million dollar man in real life but don't worry it costs six million dollars <laughs> Sixty thousand dollar man. <laughs> it sounds impressive, but it's it'll actually yeah. It, it, so so that, that that actually could be a really, I think would be incredible to you know potentially help millions of people around the world, um, and uh, and 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 give them you know a, a robot armor like that is uh, as good maybe long term better than a biological one. Thank you. Uh, the next question is. Um, how has the order intake trended relatively to production levels during Q2? And how is it trended in the quarter to date period? Conceptually, how does Tesla decide when is it appropriate to reduce prices or add uh, other sales incentives to increase demand? Yeah, I guess demand is roughly tracked production. Um, so, um, which is what we aim, aim for uh, is, is uh, we look at, you know, so, something that, that we have that really I think no, no other car maker has is that we have real time demand and real time production. Like so, uh, seven days a week, um, you know, I, I get an email, order generated email, it shows output from all factories uh, and uh, orders globally. So it's like a real time finger on the pulse of Earth, uh, basically. Um, and and we, we you know we just we just course according to what the Mood of the of the public is, um, uh, you know, but buying a new car is a is a big decision for the vast majority of people. So, uh, you know, anytime there's economic uncertainty, people will generally uh, pause on new new car buying, at least to see to see what happens. Um, and um, you know, and then obviously another challenge is the the interest rate environment. Um, as interest rates rise, uh, the affordability of anything bought with debt decreases. Um, so effectively increasing the price of the car. So when interest rates rise dramatically, we actually have to reduce the price of the car because the the, the interest payments increase the price of the car. Uh, so, and and this is the, the, at least at least up until recently, it was the I believe the sharpest interest rate rise in history. Um, so we had to do something about that. Um, and if somebody's got a crystal ball for the global economy, I really appreciate it. If I could borrow that crystal ball. Um, DM us. Yeah, exactly. DM me on Twitter. <laughs> it should be not on Twitter. Um, so, uh, it, it, I mean, one one day it seems like the world economy is falling apart, and the next day everything's fine. I I, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, <laughs> to be totally frank, <laughs> I wish I did. Um, so, I, I mean, that, that's why that's why I say like. Yeah, I always, you know, I, you know, I, on on Twitter I posted like, you know, just really advising, because I, I, you know, I care a lot about the, the 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 sort of the small shareholders, especially ones that have stuck stuck with us through through thick and thin. I love you guys, and uh, so, the, um, I, we we can't control these macro shocks, you know, or, or the sort of the manic depressive nature of the stock market. So that's why I. I recommend against margin loans um, in times that are turbulent. You know, if, I, if times are, are not that turbulent, actually a margin loan can be a smart move within reason. Um, but but we're in 
I would call it turbulent times. Um, I, I like I have very high confidence confidence in the long term value of Tesla. Um, like I, I see it a really you know see a path to a 10x. Well, maybe not these days, but they call it a 5x <laughs> um, increase in the value of the company, maybe a 10x. Um, and uh, but the, the where things go along the way, the, the trials and tribulations, and the mood of the mood of the markets, one cannot predict. And so, um, you know. Uh, I like I have very high confidence confidence in the long term value of Tesla. Um, like I, I see it a really you know see a path to a 10x. Well, maybe not these days, but they call it a 5x <laughs> um, and hold it. That's it. You will win. <laughs> the reason companies exist is to make goods and services, ideally great goods and services. They don't exist for any other reason. <laughs> they shouldn't. So that's why you should buy a stock of a company that makes great products and has a great future pipeline. It's common sense, actually. Um, and um, and then and and then generally, if you see, if if you provide, provided you're confident about what that company's products or services are, when the market panics, buy, and when the market is, you know. Overly exuberant, you, know, you can sell. I'm not recommending you sell Tesla, but, um, but, but yeah, you know, buy low, sell high. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Warren Buffett actually, I think, has a saying. I'm paraphrasing him, but you know, a publicly traded company is like um, it's like imagine you're living in your house and some. A crazy manic depressive guy comes and stands at the, uh, outside your house and, and yells property prices at you. Um, you know, so it ends a different price every day. But the house is still the same house. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a stock market. <laughs> you know, credit that to Warren Buffett. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go to the next question. Uh, with the emphasis of price cuts to drive volume growth eating into automotive gross margin, can investors expect to see automotive gross margin stabilize or even rise due to efficiencies outpacing the cuts? And if so, when? Oh, man. Where's <laughs> <laughs> that crystal ball again? <laughs> if, if I may, it's like, look, the, the short term um, variances in, in Gross margin um, and profitability really are minor relative to the long-term picture. Um, autonomy it, um, will make all of these numbers look silly. Um, I'd recommend looking at Ark Invest. I think their analysis is, is uh, very good. It's the best, I, you know. Um, I mean, it, and 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 generally, uh, FinTwit or like if the finance, uh, the smart finance people on Twitter follow their accounts. They're great. Um, so um, that that's what that that's <laughs> that's in my opinion where you where you'll get the best uh, best info. Um, so you know, I strongly believe Tesla is an epic long-term investment. Um, and don't sweat it when you know 
things go up and down. In fact, if the market panics, buy. Um, if, if the market's a little too exuberant, sell at the time. But but just generally, like like I feel I, I'm confident. You know, we we will deliver over the long term, but can't control short term. So, and and these, the the this autonomy is is really where it's at. I mean, Zach, what do you? Oh, I fully agree with you. Um, I mean, I, I think the only thing in the short term that matters is is what I said in my opening remarks, which is, you know, are we generating enough money to continue to invest? And, you know, the portfolio of products and technologies that the technical teams are investing in right now, um, this is intense. It's t intense in terms of investment. It's intense in terms of potential. I, frankly, I think it's ridiculous that we have positive free cash flow <laughs> <laughs> in a capital intensive business while investing massive amounts of money in new technology. That is super hard. And vertical integration. It's not even just like new products, but also. Yeah, we actually make our shit. Yeah. And so at least from my perspective, what matters is continuing to generate the cash to invest. Um, you know, that means continuing to be hyper-focused on near-term cost reduction because everything we do in near-term cost reduction provides capital to reinvest. Um, hyper-focused on working capital management, which uh, we've made quite a bit of progress there uh, on the raw materials and WIP uh, side of that. We've been very focused on accounts receivables as well to ensure that we can continue to reinvest, reinvest the cash. Um, you know that this is what we're focused on yeah and you know so there's you know a set of this that we control you know we have a pipeline of cost reductions uh, we are getting tailwinds in the commodity space right now as Karn mentioned that's helpful um variability around average selling prices you know goes back to elon's point uh, we don't control interest rates we don't control macro consumer sentiment um, but we have an obligation to be responsive to that, to ensure that we're matching supply and demand and keeping things balanced. And so this is how we're managing the next handful of quarters. Um, you know, it, soon enough, these quarters will be behind us. Uh, they won't be part of the present value of future cash flows of the business. And so we want to make sure we keep that view and make sure that the long term of the business is exactly the way that we want it to be. Well said. All right, thank you very much. And now let's go to uh, analyst questions. Uh, the first question comes from Dan Levi from Barclays. Dan, uh, feel free to unmute yourself. Great. Uh, good, good evening. Thank you. Um, wanted to start first with uh, with a question about uh, your efforts in AI and Dojo. It's, it's pretty clear. It sounds like you're accelerating your focus. Can you um, maybe provide us with a sense of what the process is of refining a product? Is it more machines? And, and maybe you could give us a sense of, uh, you know, when the, the payout starts to, when you start to see the payout and what the resource outlay is, you know, what should we expect on the OPEX front as a result of this? Sorry, are you saying how much are we going to spend on Dojo or? Yeah, it warranty of Dojo. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, we're not going to be open loop on our dojo expenditures, so, um, but I mean, I think we, we will be spending, you know, so 
billion north of a billion over the next year on on you know the quote through, through the end of next year it's well over a billion dollars in dojo um and um yeah so i mean we've got a, a truly staggering amount of of uh, video data to do training on and this is another thing i like like in, in order to copy us you you also need to spend billions of dollars on on, on training compute i mean it's like and it's it's also hard to you know you need, you need the data and you need the training computers like think think all well, things needed to actually achieve this at scale to a generalized solution for autonomy is it's, it's this is such, this is one of the hardest problems ever um you know you see a lot of ai companies doing you know llms and and and, and whatnot and i'm saying if they're, they're so great why can't they make a self-great driving car because it's harder that's why. <laughs> um, so, but I do think that's. Um, that's said, I think there's some you know, great, great AI companies out there. But, um, but, but just fundamentally, the the the, the the staggering amount of data we've got to process has got to be processed somehow, and custom silicon is the best way to do that. Um, so that that's what Dojo is is designed to do is is. Uh, yeah, optimized for for video training. Um, it's it's not optimized for LLMs. It's optimized for video training. Um, with uh, with with video training, um, you have a, a a much higher ratio of compute to memory bandwidth. Um, so, uh, you, this, you know, whereas LLMs are, tend to be memory bandwidth choked. Um, so that's uh, that's it. I mean. Um, but like I said, we're also, we have some, we're, we're using a lot of NVIDIA hardware and we continue to, you, we, you know, we'll, we'll actually take the NVIDIA hardware as fast as NVIDIA will deliver it to us. I have tremendous, tremendous respect for uh, Jensen and NVIDIA. Um, they've done an incredible job. Um, and, um, and frankly, I, I don't know, I, if, I, if they could deliver us enough, <laughs> GPUs, we, we, we might not need a dojo, but they can't. <laughs> so they got, they got so many customers. Um, uh, they've been kind enough to, you know, nonetheless prioritize some of our, our uh, GPU orders. Um, but um, yeah, the, the, the sheer magnitude of video training, because like I said, we're, we're not trying to just get as good as human. We want to get to, you know, 10 times better than human, maybe 100 times better than human. Um, right now, I believe there's something on the order of a million automotive deaths per year, and um, and then if you say permanent uh, serious injuries, I think it's probably closer to 10 million per year. Um, and um, you know, so it matters if you if you're you know you're twice as good as, as as human, 10 times you know if like 10 times better than human would, would still mean 100,000 deaths um, and and a million se uh, severe permanent injuries. So it's like, okay, well, we'd rather be a hundred times better. So there's, there's really, you know, it's, it's a march of nines and, and we want to achieve as perfect uh, safety as possible. Um, and uh, fast, tr truly mind boggling amounts of video and, and, and computer needed for that. So, uh, and then I do, you know, I do think there's, there's other applications for, for Dojo, but we just desperately need it for video training. Great. Just to, just to add, to what Elon mentioned. So, you know, the numbers that he mentioned are, um, you know, between R&D spend and capital spend. Yeah. And, you know, th this is moving quickly. Um, you know, uh, and so, 
We provide a three-year outlook on our capital expense. We are considering uh, these, these expenses in that outlook. Um, and as that moves up and down, we'll continue to update our guidance in the queue. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I want to say the, the, the fundamental rate limiter on the progress of full self-driving is training. But that's if, if, if we had more training compute, we would get it done faster. So that's it. That's it. And, and it's just difficult to predict how quickly yeah. we can execute on it. Great, thank you. Um, just as as a follow up, um, I recognize you know there, there's uh, incredible macro uncertainty right now, but you're sticking with your um, near term your volume target of 50% Kager. Um, as we just think about sort of in the in the year ahead, you know, Cybertruck is going to be some contribution. Um, you know, there's going to be some help from further EV penetration growth. But uh, to to what extent are you willing to uh, sacrifice on pricing to keep that 50% volume Kager intact? Um, or you know, are you thinking differently about margins versus your prior commentary of willing to sacrifice on margins to get more share? It's not about getting more share. It's just that um, you can think of every car that we that we sell or, or produce that 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 has a full autonomy capability um, as uh, actually something that in the future may be worth as much as five times what it is today. Um, because you know, it, average passenger vehicle is doing like maybe ten hours of driving a week. You know, one if if it's sort of one if let's say it's one and a half hours a day on average, that's ten hours a week, um, ish. Um, uh, if you've got an autonomous, if if that uh, that vehicle is able to do it, uh, operate autonomously, and um, and 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 use be used in some, some either either dedicated autonomous or partially autonomous, like like Airbnb, like some maybe sometimes you allow your your car to be used by others. Sometimes you want to use it exclusively, just like you know Airbnb, you know, doing Airbnb with a, a room in your house. Um, you know that, that the value is just tremendous. Uh, so I think it's sort of it would be. I, th I think it make it does make sense to sacrifice margins in favor of making more vehicles because we think in the not too distant future they will have have a dramatic valuation increase. I think the Tesla fleet. Value increase to the point at which we can upload full self, you know, full self-driving, and it's approved by regulators, um, will be the single biggest uh, step change in asset value, maybe in history. Thank you. Let's go to the next analyst. The question comes from Emmanuel Rosner from Deutsche Bank. Uh, thank you very much. Um, two questions for me as well. First, following up on on the autonomy. So, you know, before you start launching these dedicated robo-taxi vehicles on, on existing vehicles, you're improving FSD, you know, incrementally. Um, what is your latest targeted timing to uh, essentially release a non-beta version or an eyes-off version that would trigger much higher take rates? And would Tesla benefit from lowering the price of FSD? Um, well, obviously, I... You know, I'm, you know, I've, my, as people have sort of made fun of me, and perhaps, uh, you know, quite fairly have made fun of me, my predictions about achieving uh, full self-driving 
um, have, have been optimistic in the past. Um, and, and I, the, the reason they've been optimistic is what it tends to look like is the um, we'll, we'll make rapid progress with a new version of, of FSD, uh, but, but then um, the, it will curve over logarithmically. So, so at first, like log, logarithmic curve looks like you know just sort of fairly straight upward line, diagonal up. Uh, and so, if you extrapolate that, it, it, then you you have a great thing. But then, because it's actually logarithmic, it curves over, and then there've been a series of log, stacked logarithmic curves. Um, now, yeah. um, I know I know I'm the the the, the boy who cried FSD, um, but I, I, I man I. I think I think we'll be better than human by the end of this year. Um, that's not to say we're approved by regulators, um, and and I'm saying that and that would be be in the U.S. because uh, we've got to focus on one market first. But I, I think we'll be better than human by the end of this year. I've been wrong in the past. I may be wrong this time. Um, and the, the the price of FSD. So the, the weird thing is the price of FSD is actually very low. But, uh, it's not high. Um, when you go back to what I was saying earlier, if the, the, the value of the car increases dramatically uh, if it is actually autonomous. Um, you know, fifteen thousand dollars is is actually a, a low price, not a high price. Um, and um, now we will offer, and you know, and we have, I think we do sort of offer. FSD as a sort of monthly subscription, although it's like most people don't know that. Um, so I'd recommend like maybe trying it out as a monthly subscription so you don't have to go with the $15,000 thing. But I think, yeah, yeah. The, the obviously if, if the car is worth several times its original price, $15,000 is actually a low price for FSD. Thank you. And the next question comes from William Stein from Truist. Uh, William, go ahead and unmute. Great. Uh, thank you very much uh, for taking my question. Um, uh, I'd like to ask about uh, the to stick on this AI topic. Um, uh, we read, you know, with great interest the developments uh, in Dojo today, and you've spoken about FSD. Uh, but you've also, Elon, you've started this X.AI uh, company. And, you know, for investors that think that there might be quite a bit of value in the AI uh, features and products of Tesla, it might be concerning to see you, you know, pursuing another endeavor where AI is the focus. So can you talk about how X.AI might overlap, might um, um perhaps compete with Tesla or in other ways, perhaps it, it uh, enhances the value of, of what Tesla does. Thanks very much. Yeah, I, I think it will actually enhance the, the value of Tesla. Um, there, there really were just uh, some, um, some of the world's best AI engineers and scientists that were willing to join a startup, uh, but they were not willing to join a, a large sort of relatively established company like, like Tesla. So it was like, that, that's actually how it got started. I was interviewing a few people and they're like, no, we, we want to do a startup. I was like, and that's all. And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't convince them to join uh, Tesla. So, so I was like, okay, well, you know, better it's a startup that, um, that I run than, than, than they go work somewhere else. Um, that's kind of the, the genesis of, of XAI. Um, 
and XAI is is focused on a, sort of AGI. Uh, yeah, um, so it's, uh, but I, I'd like to say, I think there will be some uh, value that XAI brings to Tesla. Um, you know, also for some of the best, for the very best people in the world, they, they really just want to work on inter interesting problems. So if you take, say, you know, um, our material science group, you know, really what convinced uh, Charlie Kuhlman to leave Apple, we were very happy and well compensated. Um, um, and both at, and both, you know, what we think is the best material science group in the world um, was that he got to work at both Tesla and SpaceX. He, he wasn't willing to leave Apple if it was just Tesla, but he was willing to do it if it was Tesla and SpaceX. So sometimes you get the best talent in the world. That's the kind of thing you know you, you need to do, and that actually has been very beneficial to Tesla. So, if you know, if I could squeeze one more mundane question in, um, I, I wonder if you think you can hit the 1.8 million unit number with current pricing, or do you anticipate uh, needing to uh, continue to lower prices? Because it seems like they've stabilized. The trends have stabilized in the last uh, maybe month and a half. Should we? expect a, a sort of continued decreases or or more stabilization for the rest of the year sure uh, you know we have we have uh, a really sort of we started the referral referral program which i think will be quite effective um but, you know as as zach was saying earlier um we, we don't control the macroeconomic conditions so if interest rates continue to rise that reduces the affordability of cars um, you know, and, and for a lot of people, they're really trying to balance, like just, you know, barely breaking even uh, every month. In fact, if you look at the rise in credit card debt, they are in fact not breaking even every month. Like credit card debt is is, is looking uh, scary. Um, so, you know, we, we're like, we just don't control macro conditions. Uh, if macro conditions are stable, I think prices will be stable. And if they're not stable, then you know, we, we, we would have to lower prices. Uh, Thank you. Uh, let's go to Colin Rush from Oppenheimer. Thanks so much, guys. You know, as you're building out Dojo and implementing what truly is going to be a highly complex um, set of software, can you speak to the maturity of the operating system and how much soft outsourced software you're expecting to use uh, in that system? Um, this is a custom software stack, so, uh, but it is uh, designed uh, such that you can run uh, at the high at a high level uh, PyTorch um, and JAX. Um, so, uh, but then you know we have to customize it to actually run on a custom silicon. Um, so this the software stack is uh, a combination of open source software and then and then Tesla software uh, all the way to the bare silicon, which is the case for the inference computer in the car. Um, Okay, thanks so much. That's super helpful. And then can you speak to how you're managing some of the geopolitical risks relative to your capacity expansion? Um, you know, obviously, as you guys continue to grow at this rate, you're going to be putting some folks out of business and you know, <laughs> there's going to be some impacts around regional economies. So just want to understand how you're thinking about that in terms of some of your CapEx plans and, and how you're managing some of those relationships with um, with different countries and regions. Well, we are, you know, this is a period of 
unusual geopolitical risk. Um, so I think we're the best we can do is, you know, have factories in um, many parts of the world such that if things get difficult in one part of the world, we, um, you know, we can still keep keep things going in the rest of the world. Thank you. Uh, the next question comes from Mark Delaney from Goldman Sachs. Uh, thank you very much for taking the question. Uh, Tesla has been making progress reducing cost and did so again last quarter. Can you give an update on when you think automotive cogs per vehicle could be under the historical $36,000 per vehicle level and what are the key puts and takes to get there? This is, I think I was asked this in the past, this is very difficult to forecast. You know, there's a series of costs that we manage. Um, there's a series of costs in which we don't control. And so, you know, particularly on the commodity side, um, where labor costs go, et cetera, it, it, it's just hard to say. Yeah, um, we saw very inflationary, like strong inflationary pressures for a while last year. Um, and and now we're, we're which obviously makes it very difficult to reduce cogs. And, you know, now we're seeing what seem to be deflationary pressures, certainly deflationary, uh, if deflation is a pressure, um, but we're seeing, um, you know, commodity prices dropped, uh, dropping, as uh, as was mentioned, uh, you know, uh, as Karin mentioned a moment ago. Um, and uh, I, I think, I mean, what do you think? It, I mean, the, the, basically the trends seem to be deflationary at the commodity level. Is Definitely, that, yeah. there's that, and then there's also the the unit economics improve as volumes grow. That's the other thing we're seeing, as we're becoming a bigger and bigger part of a lot of suppliers. Economies of scale uh, come into play. There's equipment depreciation that comes into play. Equipment that was commissioned five to seven years ago, um, that used to be a part of the piece price. That's completely amortized. So we'll see uh, situations where piece price comes down because that equipment uh, contribution has gone away. And then just we continue to have this uh, mentality of continuous improvement uh, in terms of labor, <clears throat> reducing labor, improving automation, uh, and, and just continue to get better at what we do. So we have seen, uh, I think every quarter we have seen an improvement. Of course, the commodities spiked up and down. Uh, yeah. Just in general, the trend is uh, towards being more efficient. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, but lithium prices went absolutely insane there for a while. Yeah, yeah and they're recovering now. Cobalt's like a uh, third of what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we're still early in the ramps. Uh, well, not early in the ramp, but early in the cost down curve of Austin and Berlin. Yeah. And so it takes time to work the cost out. At first, it's a focused on ramp. Um, ramp brings cost down. Ramp quality, quickly. and then yeah. Ramp and then, quality cost. Yeah, and then once that stabilizes, we can divert bandwidth uh, to cost reduction. And so, um, Austin and Berlin saw quite a decent amount of cost reduction on a fundamental basis from Q1 to Q2. We'll continue to do that work. That will be helpful. Uh, and so we're just going to keep shipping away at it. Yeah, packaging is a big, big element to that. Yeah, but logistics too. Logistics is normalizing, which is great. Q, uh, Q bot, uh, you know, utilization, something that the you know, team has been very focused on. So every bit of it. Yeah, it's hard. Logistics is uh, <laughs> it's underappreciated. <laughs> yeah, so the thing goes like, uh, you know, battles are one with tactics, wars are one with logistics. Yeah, and we made tremendous improvements in, in cost and on fronts on, you know, expired costs. We have down, uh, down pre-pandemic expired cost levels now, and our goal is to go further down. 
So, yeah, so when we look at our progress from Q1 to Q2 on cost, you know, the way that we look at internally, you know, normalize for the impacts of mix shift with Austin and Berlin being a higher percentage of our mix, normalize for SNX being a higher percentage of our mix in Q2 versus Q1. Uh, the sequential cost reduction, it might be the largest we've had in a while. So I think it's, it's great work on behalf of the Tesla team, and we just got to keep it up. Yeah, it's a game of pennies. It's like Game of Thrones with pennies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, do you have a follow-up question? Uh, I think you're muted. Yep. Yeah. Thank you uh, very much for all the, the details on that. Um, you know, maybe you could put a finer point on the downtime impact that you uh, both, you spoke about in your prepared comments. Uh, you know, in terms of production impact, and then also uh, to what extent there's a margin impact uh, from those uh, uh, factory upgrades that you're planning uh, this quarter. Thank you. Yeah, the, the downtime, um, you know, we don't know exactly the number of cars impacted because, you know, kind of the way that we go into downtime windows for upgrades is, you know, we set aside a period of time, but then the team is challenged to go as quickly as possible so that we can get the factories up and running again and minimize that. Um, so it's not, it's not a profound reduction, you know. Hopefully it's quite small. I think we're getting too much into the weeds here. I mean, like we're asking for a level of precision that is not uh, possible to uh, answer. So let's, let's move on. Yeah, I think this is unfortunately all the time we have for today. Okay. So uh, we'll speak to you all in uh, the next three months. Thank Great. you very much. Thank you. Okay. My dogs seem to like that call. Who wants to go first? Boring boneheaded questions are not cool. Let's go to YouTube. Shout Throw out back for a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, we just need Galley here with us. That um, we did get some uh, AI questions, I realized, from, from, the, from the folks that we didn't usually get, which was interesting. But uh, there were a few that uh, sort of were trying to get more out of Elon that was related to Hey, can you tell us exactly how margin is going to be impacted by this thing that you told us that you can't calculate? So that was, you know, it's par for the course. Uh, I did take down some notes, but I'm curious. Any any major takeaways from the call from the panel? I have I have a few, but I'm curious if uh, any of you guys have any thoughts. There was a kind of big news of the uh, the one time Q3 FSD kind of like moving forward grandfathering. You know, I think that's going to, you know, inspire new demand for Q3, probably for people that want to get the newer hardware and FSD on it. The licensing agreement or pending. That, yeah. that was the bombshell to me. Like that, that was, was by far the biggest piece of news. Like they're actively in conversations with probably Ford, maybe Mercedes, um, one of those companies. Like that's if they actually get that deal and start selling in volume, I think of the margin impact of that. Were you surprised to hear a yes? Yeah, <laughs> I was. I did not think they would they would uh, talk about that. It's, it's just so funny to me because, like, I mean, to to the point that uh, we Emmett was just talking about. It's like the the questions that like can't be answered. Um, like, oh, you don't have a good answer for that. Stocks down four percent. Meanwhile, <laughs> like dropping this actual consequential news that's going to be meaningful in the longer term doesn't do anything. So I just, it was, it's just it shows you how silly these, these short-term movements are. Yeah. And if uh history of the, you know, last 
eight weeks is indicate indicative of anything. Once you hear about one, does the domino start to fall? Do other ones start to jump in? Do other people want to get on this as well? Is that why Elon said it without being prompted to ask it? You know, was it a, a chess move? Uh, lots of lots of things I was thinking about there in that. I was wondering the same thing. It was like a chess move uh, that he just, you know, volunteer, volunteered that information even before the question and Q&A part came up just to inspire more demand of other automakers coming to the table to say, hey, we want to do the FSD licensing agreement too and not be like last like they were to the, you know, supercharger partnerships. I was happy to hear Elon kind of drop the hammer on underscoring why uh, other companies are going to want to license FSD. It's because not only do they not have the training data, they also don't have the compute. That's two points of failure. And every other company in the world has gone over two. They don't have millions of miles of real-world training data, and they don't have anything that could process the data if they bought it, right? So uh, they're going to have to license it from Tesla. And the variable uh, cost of selling one additional FSD license is software margins, which are excellent. Extremely low costs of uh, earning that Well, I wonder if that is uh, that fleet related revenue that he was talking about in the thing that you might consider other people's vehicles fleets. Seemed that way. And yeah, James, to your point with the not having the hardware and not having the data, mind you, that's arguably the easy part. That's before we even talk about the software and figuring out that maze of which way is the right one, which one's not the next logarithmic curve, right? That's before any of that. So you have to get to that point before you even start thinking about the problem. It's, yeah, it, it definitely seemed like a, like, uh, here's my, here's my night so I can take your rook. Yeah. Tesla started putting the hardware necessary for full self-driving in cars in Q4 2016 and nobody else has done it yet. Uh, so how many years behind are they? They're seven years behind. If they got serious about starting now, how long would it take before they had all the cameras and the inference uh, chip in the car? A few years, right? And then after that, they would start collecting the data. And after that, they would have to process it. Right, something else that stood out to me was the uh, the cyber cell. I thought that was uh, interesting. Uh, I wonder if that's just a chemistry or a whole different thing that we're not even thinking about. What would you guys think of that? Yeah, that caught my attention too. I, I hadn't heard that term, term before. I'm assuming it just deals with the specific cells they're going to put in the cyber truck. But uh, it was definitely different. Hans, were you going to say something? I saw uh, Jordan post about this on Twitter that he thinks that what he's referring to there is the uh, Gen 2 4680 cell that's being produced on the lines there in Texas. Now, I think these are currently going into 4680 model Ys, but, you know, obviously when the Cybertruck uh, comes off the line that at least they'll be using those. I don't know if they'll divert. You know, that's one of the, the questions that I have is if they're going to stop producing 
4680 model Ys out of Austin to support the Cybertruck ramp as that comes up. Um, but that's that's my uh, take on that is that that's just the the Gen 2 cell because the first cell that uh, Jordan got a hold of, you know, it was a lower energy density and uh, but they knew that there was a second generation cell and um, that has the little swirly pattern on the bottom of the can. And there are several different uh, improvements that have been made to the equipment that manufactures the 4680 there in Austin. And um, so it seems like it's basically on par as far as energy density with a 2170, but the, you know, the can is much thicker. And so there's a lot more steel involved. And so they can actually make the, the 4680 a structural load member and still maintain the same energy density as their 2170 cells. So that's a big, um, statement to make at this point in time, especially given Drew's following comments that, you know, they still haven't even put silicon on there. Um, and there's several other improvements that they have yet to make uh, to the 4680 cell that uh, will continue to drive further energy density improvements. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. The, the other big thing that was mentioned was that the that they would be able to solve FSD if they had enough chips from NVIDIA, that Dojo wasn't necessarily needed to solve FSD, which uh, speaks to the fact that, so that we have the hardware is solved, it sounds like. The software is solved, it sounds like. The training data and how quickly it's... Um, it is uh, computed and 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 used to uh, uh, feed the neural networks to come out with the answers is the the real limiting factor here. So it's uh, shout out Jordan again. It's how much how quickly they can compute the data. So and again, this is let's wait and see it. Let's wait and see it in in, in real life and it actually play out and it be useful. But the tone is now we have more detail. I feel like more than we've ever had as far as what the actual uh, gap is to get us to full autonomy uh, for for the for the cars. Um, yeah, so that that was a, that was an interesting takeaway from my end. Yeah, just to add to that, I, and maybe to clarify, I and not saying I'm right. So listen to James Down or someone else on this, but I think what Elon was really implying was that with more compute, then the time to train can can drastically shrink. So it's not just a, we need X amount of hardware and then we'll be solved. It's just, if we can train faster then we can iterate quicker and then we can find out answers quicker. So, so just to put a clarification on that. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. It, it's, and it's, yeah, it was just the time. It's just, they just have to get more computers. They have, they have the data, they have the fleet that they just, or they have the pieces needed to just get the flywheel turning. They just got to get more chips. That's, that was yep. just my takeaway. Well, and the one thing that I do take away from it is that the there's no human team that's involved in that that also needs to scale. So that means they have a completely automated um, training ecosystem. So, you know, their auto labeler is up to par with where it needs to be, and it can run at greater capacity uh, that they don't need, you know, more humans in any part of the data pipeline or the training flywheel. So that means that they're doing basically completely either self-supervised or unsupervised training, which is basically what we expected that they're 
training video data, just like open AI trained um, the chat GPT LLM. So GPT-3, GPT-3.5 and GPT-4, where they are, you know, they're just getting a block of text and then they'll either remove a section or they'll mask words or something like that. And they're doing the same thing for video. And they're just asking the, the neural networks to predict the next frame. And that is completely, you know, you don't need humans in the loop at all to do that. And um, so if, if they're saying that training is the only bottleneck, then that is basically confirming that that's how they're doing that training. Any any other things that jumped out to y'all uh, that we want to hit? I mean, I would say it's interesting that the stock's really taking a little bit of a hit here after hours since the call starts down 5% now, uh, you know, since since the call began, I believe. So um, maybe 4%, 5%. But it, it, I'm looking at the volumes. It's just a couple million, a few million shares total, you know, and Tesla trades 140 million shares a day. So it's it's hard to say uh, what's going to happen tomorrow with the open, you know, it's not like 10 million shares were traded, you know, in the last two hours of like, you know, a few, just a handful of shares, you know, so we'll see what happens tomorrow, but there could be a little bit of a consolidation going on here with the big run up recently and, and momentum traders kind of exiting now, like knowing that it's not some big blowout, just saying, all right, let me get out and, just a kind of breather in the stock if you're kind of that's just what i'm thinking from a mass psychology perspective with the stock i mean as a long-term investor it's just noise but you know i always i'm just always fascinated day to day or week to week what's going on with the stock so just that's what i'm thinking about a little bit too yeah i like i agree i mean if you look at their earnings report and, and you look at the call to me most of it was like a nothing burger it was you know pretty much right on par with what we all expected not a whole lot of fodder for the bears, frankly, and not a whole lot of, you know, like super good news for the bulls either. It was something of a mixed bag, but basically in line. So um, if this is, you know, if we go down from here, then yeah, it, it would seem most likely that it's just momentum traders getting out and in a little short-term consolidation. So I'll be very curious to see what happens here too. Like Emmett said, none of this really does matter in the short term, but it's just, I find it interesting to see how it's like down 4% on like nothing. So, but you, know, you, you could also say maybe it got a little too hot, maybe it rose a little too fast, too quick, but uh, it's just, it's it's so strange to me that it, it dropped so significantly on no, seemingly nothing. Maybe they didn't like Elon's investing advice. Maybe they, the market wanted Elon to advise everyone to go on margin a little more. <laughs> I think... I think what that is is Elon is so used to being on Twitter. He wants to be like a like a like a fintwit kind of creator. So he's just giving investment advice to everybody. You know, it's like let me practice it and maybe clip it out. I think the and I'll throw it over to you, Nico. I see, I see you're off the mute. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. I blanked with that terrible joke. Go ahead. Oh no, it's funny that he was like giving investment advice. Like, yeah, you know, you want to just buy low and sell high. I don't know. I mean, that's just what you want to do. And- I was like, like, come on, get out of this, this, uh, you know, loop, Elon, to start talking about other things. Time time to move on. It's just just a little, a little bit of margin is okay. Um, (laughs) But you know, like with anything, it can be uh, excessive, and so um, you know. But generally, um, Warren Buffett is is a good investor. (laughs) And he's like, we can do it ten x from here. I mean, I should be careful. Maybe five x. You know, I don't know. Just. He's I love not, Martin's uh, tone at the end of yeah. that one. Martin was like, and moving on. 
uh, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, the the shutdowns in Q3, so th- they were going to have some limited shutdowns in Q3, which uh, says, I think, that 2 million this year is completely out of the question. I think that 1.8 million is going to be much closer to reality. Because for us to get to that 2 million target, Q3 would have needed to be significantly higher than Q2. But since they've openly announced um, factory shutdowns for upgrades, I think that 1.8 million is the one we should really be thinking about uh, if you're looking at a short term or medium term. But it, it, those upgrades plus Cybertruck uh, into 2024 should allow the company to continue growing. So I remember what I was going to say. Yeah, that's all I was going to say that, you know, the stock could be reacting to that as well. Just those shutdowns and talking about, you know, Q3 might be lower in production. Um, it was interesting to hear him uh, quote Warren Buffett. You know, again, maybe another chess move, maybe. <laughs> Trying to throw him a bone. Like, come on, bro. Um, I'm, I also took some some uh, uh, additional notes on some of the other questions as well. I'll be posting that on Twitter for people if, if they want to read that. But um, it, they reiterated that. Go ahead. A, a couple of notes on Optimus Bot um, that it sounded like were really interesting. So it sounds like we only have that, you know, five-ish to 10-ish bots produced. So basically what we had in the last video, so they haven't produced significantly more bots. Um, and then he he had a lot of commentary around the actuators for the bots, which made it sound pretty much like he confirmed that they are not mass producing those actuators yet, which means that each actuator for Optimus is probably being hand-built right now. And I would venture guess that that is the bottleneck on continued you know production of bots there in palo alto uh but that being said he said you know if they're going to mass production of the actuators uh by the end of this year that is definitely a good sign um that means that they've right now they're probably working through a lot of design validation on those actuators and just making sure that they really hit the nail on the head with the way that those are built and the way that they will be able to be manufactured um and so there's i'm sure tons of testing that's going on with those bots just now for range of motion cycle testing you know just like we saw the the video of the butt tester for the seats like they're doing something like that with those actuators doing hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of cycles on those actuators for Optimus Bot so that they make sure that there's not a, a critical design flaw in those actuators before they send them out to get mass produced. Once they're being mass produced, that means that development of Optimus can kind of ratchet up to the next level. And so, you know, unfortunately for people, uh, I know that Scott will be disappointed, but especially um, Randy will be disappointed in the number of bots that are going to be deployed this year and next year. Um, but they also did confirm that they are going to first be used in Tesla factories, which, uh, you know, makes a ton of sense. I think there were a lot of people who speculated that that would be the thing that they would make the the most sense as far as it's the best, you know, it's a constrained environment. It's a great place for them to get all the information that they need back from testing. Um, and also financially, a penny saved is a penny earned. So every piece of useful work. And if they can actually do useful work in Tesla factory next year, that is huge. So I think, you know, we got some really great tidbits of information on the development progress of Optimus, Um, you know, a little bit more measured than some of the most optimistic bulls, 
but in my mind like great timeline it looks like for the overall production and i mean shoot if we have meaningful volumes of optimus by 2035 um that's still an incredible tailwind to tesla as a company their ability to operate and execute and definitely their ability to create earnings um and i think we're well ahead of that schedule as it appears right now i think what's interesting to think about is that the a lot of the commentary they had today on the call was we did hear quite a bit about fsd ai the bot it was a significant percentage of the total call minutes let's say that that were spent talking about something and in this day and age of uh this all these analysts and there's an obvious trend towards companies that say ai let alone do it if you say it great we'll throw money at you i think it uh it's interesting to track that development but it almost seems like tesla in its current form based on what could be happening here in the next 12 to 18 months with FSD seems to be getting some of the lowest premiums from evaluation perspective versus everybody else. Would you guys, would you guys agree with that? Like, do you guys feel like they're getting way less benefit on that versus everybody else? Was that what you said, Matt, before, or was that about the energy? I forget. I think you may have said something similar, but it may have been in a different arena. Yeah, I think I think Hans and I were, were both kind of talking about that, about how like they don't get credit for that. You know, I, I think yeah, yeah. earlier this year, that was definitely true. I mean, if you look at the, what were they trading at, like a 30 PE or something crazy like that? I mean, that's just like clearly not giving any credit for their AI chops. I, I think with where they are right now, just, you know, what are they, $900 billion market cap, something like that. Um, I, I think you can make a very strong case that that's a fair price for just the automotive business and the fact that they're going to be ramping and their margins are so strong. That's, that's kind of the way that I look at it, but I'm, I'm more sympathetic at 900 billion than I was at, you know, 300 billion that there's a little bit of, you know, upside optionality priced in for the, for the AI business. So I don't think it's anything close to, to fully priced in. Um, and I actually really disagree with Elon that like if you five X the utility of the vehicles, then your margins go, you don't, like the increase in margin is is like so crazy because that's all like the 5x increase is all increase in margin so him saying there's a 5x opportunity overall um i think is just like really kind of lowballing the magnitude of the opportunity even before you get to optimus um so that's just a little side comment i guess but i don't know hans if you have anything anything else you want to say about whether yeah. it's fully priced or not i think yashu yeah did make good points too about just the it's not nearly as clear at this point in time how their work in AI is going to affect margins like this coming quarter. So the flow through to the balance sheet is the missing piece. And so, you know, it's a lot more straightforward with Microsoft and their, you know, charging an extra $30 a month on their Office 365 platform. And you know, it's easier for analysts to... Durka, 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 punch that into my spreadsheet and I can estimate some earnings for next quarter. And now here I can change my outlook. Um, it's not nearly that simple with Elon and Tesla and Twitter. So, uh, or NAI. Those Wall Street analysts are always saying Durka, Durka, Durka. 
Like that's their favorite thing to say. No, I just wanted to bring this up because we had confirmation already from Elon, uh, you know, back in September of last year, almost a year ago now. That uh, yeah, the plan is to assign dangerous, boring, and repetitive motion tasks at Tesla factories to production release candidate bots. So as they become capable of doing useful work, they're just going to go put them on jobs that those bots can do. Um, one of the ones that I think I've seen other people reference is picking up sheet metal and dropping it in front of another robot to stamp, right? Uh, you don't want to have to assign that work to a human being and say, hey, your job all day, every day is to pick up sheet metal and let this other robot stamp it. That's, that's not great for any of those things. So uh, yeah, you can definitely give that job to an autonomous robot and not get grieved by your union. I shouldn't have said. Was was anybody caught off guard by a somewhat lengthy conversation about like amputees and being able to like have a robot yeah. like essentially I, be I was, your? I was gonna say I think uh, I think we know what Elon's favorite movie is. It's clearly iRobot. Between Will Smith's arm, the autonomous cars, the humanoids. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's ripping them off. That's all he's doing. If, if Haley Joel Osment is in, the, is, is in the commercial that Tesla's going to end up doing, then for sure. I think he was in that movie, right? Or am I hallucinating? All right, let it go. Uh, I was going to say, no, um, was anyone else uh, kind of, stunned or shocked by the sheer amount of ai fsd questions from the analysts i think this is the first time they've ever really cared about fsd or asked questions like maybe i'm wrong it's recency bias but i'm pretty sure they've never really asked them questions the way they have this time so it seems like maybe they're starting to believe yeah, what's funny is I remember in recent history, that being the reason there was a sell-off after earnings is because people would say Elon was talking about his science fair projects instead of manufacturing cars. But uh, maybe now that Model Y is the best-selling car in the world, uh, people have more patience uh, hearing about Elon's science fair projects. Maybe after seeing the NVIDIA run up recently and lots of other AI talk, the market now thinks that's the new hot thing and uh, they're more. I just want to shout out Colin Rush for asking about the operating system for Doja. That was a very astute question. I, Colin is an excellent analyst, you know, far above uh, the standard in his cohort. So uh, not surprised that he would ask a question that intelligent, but I did really appreciate it. And then I also love the context of the question too. I think it was a different question, but it was along the lines of as, as your competition is in danger of going out of business, how are you thinking about scaling the, he's like, kind of like, he's seeing it the way a lot of uh, retail Tesla bulls are seeing the story play out. Like, how are you going to manage geopolitical tensions as you're putting everybody out of business and all this stuff? So that was, that was fascinating. Um, real quick. I do want to bring this up from Corey. Um, so this is, uh, he's highlighting Corey Steuben from Monroe Live. Uh, shout out Corey, big friend of the show. Uh, image from Tesla's IR presentation finally shows a picture with no floor, essentially confirming structural battery pack in the Cybertruck. Also of note, stamped welded lower rear cross car structure at base of rear seats. And so if I make this bigger, 
maybe he's talking about this uh, guy right here, which uh, I'm not a uh, vehicle engineer, so I have no idea uh, what that means, but it looks like something of uh, to note. So I'm sure we'll get a video from the folks at Monroe Life here shortly to uh, highlight this in more detail. Just wanted to make sure that was highlighted. Um, sorry if anybody had any thoughts, please jump in. So I could talk a little bit about that. The thing that's interesting there is that that's not a casting. Um, and if I had to speculate on why that's not a casting, it's just because the castings that they already have back there are so fucking huge that they just can't cast anything bigger. Um, and so instead of, you know, having a Terra casting, they have one, potentially even two large castings in the rear. And then, yeah, you can see all of that that you can see there in the back is a a set of stampings that are all joined together and probably those those rear castings are then joined to this structural uh welded stamp steel assembly so that actually means that the body shop you know for the cyber truck is going to have uh you know they'll have the giga casting machine obviously uh, but there's going to be a significantly larger area that's dedicated to stampings and then the assembly of those stampings uh, going through welding cells as well, that um, th there's going to be more of that that's allocated to the Cybertruck than we have for the dual casting model-wise. Well, appreciate that. Thank you very much, uh, Hans, for that breakdown. All right. Uh, what else do we want to highlight? Anything else we want to bring up? I, I thought it was kind of funny. What's happening there, bro? Uh, someone was trying to face that right there. So it came across on my computer. Sorry, I don't know what's going on. I can't even see you guys anymore. Um, I, I did think it was funny. Just like a random. My computer's falling over too. I'm like holding it up. Um, <laughs> things are falling apart. My, um, I, I was thinking it was hilarious when somebody asked him how many robots were made, and he's like, 10 million. Uh, or 10 and i'm just thinking like a lot of people actually read the transcripts of these earnings calls so that's going to be pretty funny um anyway I, I i do need to run actually um i got some some family issues going going on so i'm gonna get going but uh good talking to you guys and thanks for a great stream farzad and everyone else thank you matt thanks, yeah matt. nico had to drop off as well uh maybe this might be a natural uh stopping point here does anyone else have any any thoughts they want to add maybe more time to digest Just no, enjoy getting to... I can keep talking for another few hours. <laughs> I love how that happens. All right, let's try this. James, you go first, then Emmett, then Hans. Let's try that. Uh, you know, I liked hearing uh, Drew Baglino say 80% uh, sequential increase in production of 4680 uh, in Texas and reducing scrap by 40%. You combine those two things together, that's a whole lot of improvement in just one quarter. So that was a big one for me. Awesome. Emmett? Yeah, for me, I think um, this is a pretty uh, uneventful, like no no big surprises in this earnings report, except maybe the FSD licensing potential or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think this was a good earnings report for long-term investors. Um, I think uh, the stock, uh, it's going to continue to do well as long as the overall NASDAQ and growth stocks are, are uh, continuing their run, which I think it seems we're in the midst of a nice bull run here. So 
yeah, there might be a little breathing uh, room here after this earnings report for momentum traders exiting. But I wouldn't, ex unless the overall market's going to have a major correction, I wouldn't expect Tesla to to, to drop too much uh, before it resumes uh, running back up. Hans? I was just going to say that I really enjoyed getting to digest all of this live with the whole community, you know, everyone here in the comments and then the panel. Um, it's great to have so many different areas of insight and expertise and to kind of be able to dissect it from all sorts of different angles together. So really enjoyed this. Me too. Likewise. As always, thank you all very much for joining us uh, every quarter on all the different channels that we uh, stream this to. Uh, thank you, Hans. Thank you, Ham Emmett. Thank you, James. I almost called you Hammett. <laughs> Hans right. and Hammett and Haynes and Harzad. Uh, really appreciate you guys. Uh, just it's great talking. Uh, thank you to the mods for keeping all the conversations awesome in, in the comments section. Um, producer wife, she was not available today, unfortunately, but uh, uh, I still kind of did something so you you okay. have to do the self clap oh. on the outro I, I don't know if i deserve it there you go One of these. in in <laughs> honor of producer wife it's not fair for enough you. okay <laughs> i know it's not for me uh cool and then uh if you're uh following the story closely please make sure you uh subscribe to all the channels that you're watching uh hans on youtube and at c hans and nelson on on twitter uh, Emmett uh, with Good Soil on YouTube and Emmett Peppers on uh, Twitter and James Stevenson at I Cannot Underscore Enough on Twitter and uh, James Stevenson on YouTube. Uh, some of the best content you'll find regarding Tesla uh, and uh, really other stuff as well from all these gentlemen and everybody else who joined us previously. Thank you, Nico, as well. Thank you, Alexandra. Um, I hope I'm not missing anybody else. Uh, Herbert was supposed to join as well. Matt Smith. Uh, yeah. I, I did want to forget him, actually. We don't have to worry about him. <laughs> Screw that guy. And Elon and Zach for joining us. That was great. Yes. Yeah. That was fantastic. And did you mention Yashu? Oh, and Yashu. I definitely didn't yeah. want to forget him. Yashu at Hit That Bid on YouTube and Yashu Sharma on Twitter. All right. I'll let you guys go. Thank you all very much. Almost four hours in. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye, everybody. All right.